I spent literally years doing a one-to-one connection between patterns found in modern physics, biology, and chemistry, and these patterns that were known and taught in spiritual traditions around the world. And when they used what we call today sacred geometry, these patterns of creation that can be expressed in a shape in a geometric form, they had that in a completely integrated system in which their healing systems and their spiritual development systems and their ways of understanding nature around them were all part of one unified system in a way that we do not have today and created a much more healthy and holistic understanding of how all life interconnects. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is Dr. Robert Gilbert. Dr. Gilbert has a multifaceted background in both spiritual and scientific studies. He is a former U.S. Marine Corps instructor in nuclear, biological, chemical warfare survival, and since leaving the service, he has conducted independent research into the geometric basis of modern science and new technologies. Dr. Gilbert holds a PhD in international studies and is a published academic author in that field, contributing to the first academic textbook in the new field of transformational politics. He is the Director of Studies at the Visaka Institute and was the first non-Egyptian to be certified to teach biogeometry. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcast. Your opinions matter and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind and to live their dreams. We hope you enjoy the conversation between Paul and Dr. Robert Gilbert as they dive into the fascinating topic of sacred geometry. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. I am super excited. Today, we're going to talk about sacred geometry with Robert J. Gilbert. And Robert J. Gilbert, who I'm using his full name because that's how he uh, usually presents it on Gaia TV, where I like to watch his series. Uh, Robert is a very, very interesting man, and, and uh, I've known about him for quite some time because he is a friend of Ibrahim Karim, who is also one of my friends, and Robert was the first biogeometry instructor trained to teach in the United States, and uh, I absolutely love Robert's information. He's got a great website. He's got many great courses, some of which we'll talk about. And he's got a lot of knowledge. So if you thought Ibrahim Kareem was deep and enjoyed him, you're going to love Robert. Robert, welcome to Living 4D. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. Robert, uh, to begin with, well, first I wanted to say uh, I got great feedback because uh, I've had students take your biogeometry training that also took it from other instructors and came back to me and said, wow, it was really cool to take it from Robert because he showed us different perspectives and things we didn't learn from the other instructors. And they all said, you're easy to learn from, which was a really great thing to hear. So um, I'm grateful that you're doing that because, uh, you know, biogeometry is very deep. And I think getting different angles on it helps people understand it more deeply. Great. Thank you. Yes, the different instructors in any field have different emphases and strengths. And one of the things that uh, the other people in biogeometry often reflect to me is that I have a very extensive background in a lot of different fields. And so I can tie a lot of pieces of information that people have together into the practical applications in biogeometry. Yeah, that's fantastic. Just 
To begin with, Robert, can you share an overview of your background, your own spiritual development, and what ultimately brought you to a deep study and the application of the principles of sacred geometry? Because you have a very interesting background, and I study a lot and have my whole career, and I can tell you whenever I watch your shows or read your stuff, I'm like, wow, this is exciting. This guy's really got his depth and, and breadth of knowledge, and it's you know, your series on Gaia is absolutely phenomenal. And the, the way they did the graphics, it makes it even more exciting to watch because you can feel what you're talking about and see what you're talking about. So I think just to lay the groundwork for our podcast today, hearing more about you and how you became this person would be great. Great. Thank you, Paul. Uh, yes. One of the essential things we had to do for the Gaia series was to make sure we had the illustrations to show people the geometric forms, because otherwise it'd be almost impossible to follow when you get into the technical side of it. So my story for my work in sacred geometry, I think uh, like a lot of people, I was very interested in metaphysics when I was young. Who am I? Why am I here? What's this all about? How does this work? You know, making sense of incarnating in a physical body in the world. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so in, when I was 20 years old, I uh, volunteered for the U.S. Marine Corps. And based on my testing scores, I was put into a field called Nuclear Biological Chemical Warfare Defense, or NBCD. Now, Nuclear Biological Chemical Warfare Defense, as the name suggests, is about mostly teaching people how to survive in times of being exposed to different types of weapons of mass destruction, nuclear, biological, chemical. But of course, this connects to three main fields of science, which is physics, biology, and chemistry. And so I basically was an instructor where I taught people how to survive in highly toxic environments. And in my own time, I was very concerned with the fact that humanity had made the choice to spend billions, trillions of dollars on research and development of life-destructive technologies. You know, what we can do in killing millions of human beings in a heartbeat with these modern weapons is truly horrific and has never occurred before in human history. And so I was very concerned with how do we create a life-giving science that can help to counteract all these horrible chemical weapons, nuclear weapons, the biological agents that are being created in labs and ready to be unleashed on the world. And so what this took me to in my own research, in addition to what I'd been trained in in the Marine Corps, was I discovered in my research a document that had been paid for by NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And I had no idea that NATO paid for these types of scientific studies, but this particular study was examining all natural systems, biology, chemistry, physics, based on pure shape information, based on geometry. Very interesting. And as I was looking at this, I was like, this is so much easier to understand than what we get taught today in these fields, where the majority of the public is completely excluded from any understanding of modern science because they tend, for reasons of elevating themselves above the common person, to always want to obscure what's behind their work in modern science to make themselves appear special mostly by using very complex algebraic equations and stuff that everybody tends to have these kinds of post-traumatic stress disorder feelings about math from high school. And so they're not going to get into all of those algebraic equations. 
But if you present how natural systems work according to pure shape and pattern and geometry, a child can understand it. It becomes so straightforward. And I thought, this is, this is really incredible. And from this perspective, you can see all kinds of relationships and particular principles behind how human health works and how all these natural systems work that otherwise are completely obscure to us. So once I began to study what in modern science and technology they're using as the patterns that they put into all of their electronics, that they're putting into modern medicine, that they're putting into biology, chemistry, etc. I then went and began to research how this connects to the knowledge that was held in closed circles in spiritual traditions around the world, where they were teaching their initiates what we today refer to as sacred geometry. Because there's a pattern behind everything in existence. And as I began to find this, I found that all of these empirical patterns behind all structures in the physical world, whether it's in the human body, things related to health or illness, things related to how all physical matter is constructed, that these key patterns were all known to the ancient world. Now, this is never discussed in any type of scientific research that talks about these patterns. They just kind of puff themselves up that, oh, we found this pattern. This is how these molecules fit together to create this element or something like this. But they never say, oh, and by the way, this was taught in schools of sacred geometry in Greece 2,500 years ago or in Egypt 5,000 years ago. They never talk about that. They always act like the ancients knew nothing. Right. we, We know everything, which is complete nonsense. So I spent literally years doing a one-to-one connection between patterns found in modern physics, biology, and chemistry, and these patterns that were known and taught in spiritual traditions around the world. And when they used what we call today sacred geometry, these patterns of creation that can be expressed in a shape, in a geometric form, they had that in a completely integrated system in which their healing systems and their spiritual development systems and their ways of understanding nature around them were all part of one unified system in a way that we do not have today and created a much more healthy and holistic understanding of how all life interconnects. And so after I found this hidden key to modern technology and everything else in the ancient knowledge of sacred geometry, I found there's a tremendous amount there that's not in modern science and technology and can help to redeem the destruction that modern technology is having on our planet through the misuse of physics, biology, and chemistry. So I then began to create and teach courses on how all these patterns control our lives, how they can be used in a variety of different ways. And that was alongside my own spiritual work, which uh, was very connected to the work of Rudolf Steiner. And so when I first began to teach publicly, I was actually known as a Rosicrucian teacher Mm. because I went very, very deep into classical Rosicrucian knowledge in the sense of the European Rosicrucians like Rudolf Steiner, not affiliated with North American Rosicrucian organizations or things like that. I always tend to jokingly say, following the, the statement by Woody Allen, I don't want to join any organization that would have somebody like me for a member. (laughs) I'm not really an organization joiner. And one thing I really liked about the European Rosicrucians and the work of Rudolf Steiner is you don't have to join anything. It's not about joining a group and earning a variety of grades and getting 
political status in an organization. That has no interest for me whatsoever. It's really all about learning to be fully conscious of how we as human beings develop spiritually, how we connect to the spiritual world and non-physical realities, and having a direct connection to these higher realities, not through any other person or organization. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, I then went uh, to university and after many years got my PhD in international studies. And so that's my primary background in the academic world, PhD in academic studies, and the training and the teaching that I did in the Marine Corps. Once I graduated with my PhD, I decided I wanted to open up an institute to teach these spiritual science and vibrational science healing topics to the public, and I created the Vesica Institute for Holistic Studies. And that was a bit over 20 years ago. So I've been teaching both uh, live and now for the last number of years online classes for over 20 years. And so we do our best at the Vesica Institute to be able to create these very clear, concise summaries of very deep and hard-to-find information so that people can be empowered with the knowledge as quickly and easily as possible without having to give their authority or independence away to any external organization. We offer the information to people that choose to sign up for our classes in a way that you're free to use it as you like. We don't have any grades in the organization. There's really no organization to join. It's all about get this independently, use it for whatever you're here to do in this incarnation, and let's all use this together to help the world. Yes, that's beautiful. I'm grateful. And uh, having been to your website and looked at it, you have a lot of very, very good information. So I encourage everybody to go to the website um, and you're very likely to find courses there that help you answer deep questions that you've had. One of the things that as you were talking that came to my mind that I wanted to ask you is that, you know, you're describing a level of knowledge and integration in the ancient systems that when we look at ancient sites, whether, you know, all the ancient sites around the world and the pyramids, it's, it's obvious that they were able to do things with stone and technology and energy that we either have been concealed from through various <laughs> powers that be, um, and we still can't build a pyramid today. Not we, we, we don't have the technology. So I'm curious, do you think that they had technology similar to what we would call advanced medical technologies or communications technologies that may have been as or more advanced than ours, but didn't leave, shall we say, um, a footprint like you know if if someone dug up our civilization they'd find telephone wires and and uh, you know it, antennas all over the place and they'd say wow these people had a pretty antiquated system here I'm just curious because a lot of people have this impression that we're very advanced and these people were not very advanced at all but all you got to do is study these ancient sites and it becomes very very obvious that they had very, very advanced technology, but they must have had, you know, for example, the aboriginals used to communicate through song lines and they didn't need a cell phone. They could talk to each other hundreds of miles away, tell people where to meet them and they would meet them on time. I'm just curious, what are your thoughts with regard to what they were probably able to do 
compared to what we think of as advanced technology? It's a great question. And the first thing I would mention is that the mythology that we're taught in our modern education is that in the past, you had the primitive caveman. They didn't know anything. They figured how to hit somebody else over the head with a club. And then maybe they figured out how to use a pry bar. They ended up figuring out how to make a wheel. And now we are the summit of all human development currently. We know a million times more than they ever did, etc. And what they ignore is all the evidence for there being ancient, highly advanced cultures that declined over time and that they had very advanced knowledge that actually went down. It's fascinating to see that in ancient Egypt, in the Old Kingdom, Middle Kingdom, they had all kinds of things that were way more advanced than the New Kingdom, the time that's more close to us in time. There was actually a loss of knowledge over time. Now, this is something we describe in biogeometry as the shift in human consciousness. And this is also talked about by a variety of other philosophers and groups, that we used to have a type of holistic consciousness that if we use a split brain theory is more connected to the right brain. And over time, that began to shift more to left brain dominance and more rational thinking that led to our modern form of technology. But without understanding that type of holistic consciousness that they had in ancient times and being able to use natural life forces in a way that is very different than how science approaches things today, where what we use as electromagnetic forces, which is something different out of the whole spread of energies that exist. They had a type of technology that's hard for people today to fully understand, unless you really understand what the Rosicrucians refer to as the etheric formative forces, or what Steiner referred to as etheric physics. Because mm -hmm. in modern biology, they actually say in modern biology that life doesn't exist. The term biology means literally knowledge of life. But first thing I learned in biology 101 class in college on the first day is they said, if you came to this class believing that life exists, you are a victim of the vitalist fallacy. There is no oh, such God. thing as life. Life is nothing but a series of mechanical processes. Oh, and boy. So today, our study of life begins with the dogma that life doesn't exist. Everything's mechanical, and there's no such thing as life energy, and it's too absurd to even use the concept of a life force that separates the corpse from a living being, which is an absurdity. In every ancient tradition, yeah. they understood that this life force, this life energy, was the foundation of everything. And they learned how to use this life force in a way that is completely lost in modern medicine today. And so what is really happening is that rather than us being so much more evolved, although we've developed the technology in a different way than they did, because I don't think they would have developed a technology as destructive to destroy the entire planet the way that we have with modern nuclear weapons and chemical poisoning of the oceans and all this type of thing. So an example of this, there are particular uh, papyri from ancient Egypt, which when they were first discovered, uh, maybe 100, 200 years ago by the French, the uh, English, when they found them, they said, oh, well, these texts are about some type of spiritual metaphor. They show all these things about going into the human head and going into the brain and these types of things. And, you know, so it's some type of spiritual ritual or metaphor that they're using. But then once we develop modern brain surgery, we realized these are brain surgery texts. Wow. But until we had developed our knowledge in brain surgery, we didn't know these thousands of years old papyri from Egypt were teaching methods of brain surgery, which we didn't have until very recently. 
And so we can't recognize in these ancient documents where they're referring to particular things that are highly advanced because we don't have the knowledge to, to interpret it. Just like if you've got the caveman looking at a modern computer, he might not know how to turn it on and how to use it. But that's very true of ancient vibrational tools, vibrational techniques, and working with the life force that's present in the world. So yes, they had very advanced knowledge for how to use light, how to use sound, how to use the intrinsic life force energies that are within the mineral kingdom, within the plant kingdom, within the human body, and to be able to use this in extremely advanced ways. The exciting thing today is that, particularly with fields like biogeometry, which is bringing back this ancient knowledge in a usable form, in a very practical way, that we have the ability to become a kind of modern techno-mage, or ability to meld modern technology together with the ancient life-supporting knowledge and technology to create something of incredible value. Uh, but it requires that we really understand this very different way of seeing the world that the ancients had so we can accomplish what the ancients did and help to heal the earth with the life forces that have been destroyed by our modern reductionist materialistic technology. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, as as you're probably all too aware, the, the real challenge we face is that all these large corporate interests see actually using the technology that we have to bring our systems into harmony as a threat to their profitability or too expensive and things like that. So it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, where do you think the tipping point is? How far down the rabbit hole do we have to go before either the people just come to the realization we got to put an end to all this stuff or the corporations realize that they themselves are killing their families and creating their own demise if they don't start, you know, talking to guys like you and Ibrahim Karim and other people that know how to, you know, retool so that we can actually survive ourselves. Well, one approach to this is to look at what's happened historically. When you had shifts of paradigm or you had shifts of power, of changing to a different approach with things in the world. And usually this either happened from top down or from bottom up. Well, when I look at the current political landscape and even the intellectual landscape in mass media today, it is so disastrously ignorant that <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have very little hope for the top-down approach. Uh, I just I don't see anybody in power or running the corporations, with a few exceptions, that have any type of vision for anything other than the most venal, uh, get everything I possibly can at the expense of everyone else. So I, I don't have huge hope right now for a top-down approach. So that leaves the bottom-up approach. And so if we look at what's happened historically, in the Babaji tradition from India, as well as in the Rosicrucian work from the Europeans, like the work of Rudolf Steiner, they both agree that there was a major turning point in human history in the year 1899. That's what they both refer to as the end of the Kali Yuga. So Kali Yuga, those who don't know, is the concept in the Vedic Himalayan tradition of there being four great ages, and the worst of them is the Kali Yuga. That's the dark age. That's when all spiritual knowledge is lost. That's when all dharma or spiritual moral action is lost, and everything just 
turns to crap. But one of the things that actually <laughs> happens during that time, when all that spiritual knowledge and perception is being lost, because our, what happens is our spiritual organs of perception shut down. So most people today don't have strong spiritual organs of perception. What they, they got by giving up the spiritual organs of perception was they got the ability to work in the rational brain and to think intellectually. So that's what we've gotten from this loss. Now we got to bring the two back together. We have to add the spiritual organs of perception back into modern intellectual thinking to create a new higher synthesis. And so when we look at this process, 1899 with the end of Kali Yuga was the end of this dark age. Now its effects are still very much with us because these great ages exist over long periods of time. And some people in the Vedic tradition say Kali Yuga is not over yet. But again, well, both the Babaji lineage, which I think is one of the most advanced lineages in the Himalayas, as well as Rudolf Steiner's work, it's very clear, 1899, end of Kali Yuga. So one of the things that happened with that was the growth of our new technology. So we really see the beginning of this new technology around that 1899 end date. That's when Nikola Tesla got his downloads that he said came from higher places and higher beings, which many people forget today, that created the modern alternating current electrical system that electrified the world. And then all of our other technology, breaking the code of the periodic table. So now we know the code behind all physical matter, breaking the code behind the electromagnetic spectrum. So now we can manipulate the decayed forces that make all of our machines run. And so where we are today then is at a, a place that we really have to get to a critical mass of people understanding clearly what's happening today and how these things fit together in a way that's not being presented to us at all by mass media or by our politicians or anything of that kind, which give us a completely materialistic view of everything. But we have another sign of this, that what we think of as the modern New Age movement also began around the year 1900. And mm. so we didn't have, before the advent of a theosophical society, in like in the late 1870s or around that time, until the Theosophical Society was developed in America, at that time, there was no international organization that sponsored free exchange of spiritual ideas and knowledge amongst people all over the world. Because people could get together in this organization for the first time, and they could talk about knowledge coming from India, knowledge coming from Egypt, knowledge coming from the West. How does all this fit together? And people would have their own takes on it. But historically, this is something of huge significance. We take for granted today that, oh, yeah, there's a free metaphysical movement, and I can get these incredibly previously hidden Taoist internal alchemy formulas that even in the 1980s, I'd have to pay $10,000 in gold to have somebody teach me. Now I can get it for $12.95 uh, as a book. Now, this is an incredible release of information, and this whole free metaphysical movement is a sign of the bottom-up movement. That's not necessarily going to happen from the top down. That there's going to be enough people that understand this and then vote with their feet to create a parallel structure that understands how does health actually work and creating how we do that. That began in the 1950s in the U.S. with health food stores. We can see a historical development of things we take it for granted today with health food stores, more knowledge about nutrition and diet more knowledge about spiritual practices for personal development from all over the world, all kinds of things blossoming today. And it better blossom pretty fast because the, the technology is killing the world quite quickly. But I really think it's going to be a bottom-up educational thing. So that's why I appreciate you and your podcast so much. 
That's why I created the Beska Institute. We all need to work together to get the information out in a usable form so people can apply it to their own lives and what they incarnated to do in this lifetime. Yeah, very important information. And I've studied uh, from and been a member of the Theosophical Society for, God, so long, I can't remember, uh, 25 years or more. Um, I've studied many of their books. In fact, I used to give out a book called uh, Space, Time, and Self by Norman Pearson from the Theosophical Society. And even though it was written in about, I don't know, it's an old book, but it's still got just amazing concepts and it's beautifully illustrated. And uh, Some of the work of of Jeffrey Hodson, are you familiar with his work in the Theosophical Society? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I love his uh, uh, the Kingdom of the Gods, the, the book where he had an artist take his clairvoyant visions of all the nature spirits and thought forms. It's just stunningly beautiful. And uh, that kind of work helped me develop my clairvoyance because seeing, you know, having a concept of, you know, what a water spirit or a tree spirit looks like helps you relax your mind to allow yourself to begin to, to perceive things because without some sort of a sense of what you might be looking for, you, you, it's like, like you said, you know, a caveman might have found a, a computer and not even know what the hell it was, probably would have walked right on top of it. I thought, well, that's a shiny rock. Uh, so I, I found the Theosophical Society very helpful. Hello, everybody. I'm super excited to announce our new live show called PT 3.0 that will be available to you at youtube.com forward slash Czech Institute. That's C-H-E-K Institute. Each PT 3.0 episode will be offered every first and third Wednesday of the month and is a 30-minute live show designed specifically to help exercise professionals and anyone who wants to use exercise scientifically in their practices. The host of the show will be a Czech faculty member, a high-level practitioner, or an industry expert that is aligned with Czech principles, and each show offers us the following free bonus materials. A Q&A segment at the end of the episode a downloadable reference guide to help audience members apply what they've learned. We call this PT 3.0 because the purpose of the show is to provide next-generation training to personal trainers and to help them evolve in their practice. PT 3.0 is a web show designed to provide 30 minutes of intense, essential training to personal trainers and strength coaches that will make an instant impact on their business and practice. This is not a webinar or a podcast, but a fully produced online show featuring a live host and high-quality footage of assessments, exercises, stretches, and program design together with Q&A for targeted bite-sized education. Each episode will be highly focused, training, for example, one assessment or one program design technique or one stretch, etc. Each episode will be broadcast live on our YouTube channel, and the show is free. Hallelujah. Each episode will be recorded and available to you on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Czech Institute. And again, it's completely free. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for notification when each episode begins by going to youtube.com forward slash Czech Institute. To see our upcoming episode schedule and to receive advanced notifications of all episodes, go to pt3.com. CheckInstitute.com. Once again, to see our upcoming episode schedule and receive advanced notification for all episodes, go to pt3.checkinstitute.com. 
We hope you enjoy this live show. Robert, can you describe the importance of our level of energy to support conscious growth and development and our level of consciousness to guide the healthy development of our energy body? Energy and consciousness are deeply dependent upon each other for our success in our human lives. So um, I think understanding the relationships that exist between, uh, you know, our level of health and vitality and how that affects our consciousness is something that most people still don't understand. A lot of people do lip service to it. They talk about it. They write about it in books, but then I don't see much evidence of it. Yes, I think it's something that's uh, badly overlooked today in modern metaphysics, and it needs to be restored to its place of centrality because everything is dependent on it. So what you have is today in modern culture, the real illness that I see is everything immediately gets slammed over to one polarized end or another. There's very little holding of the center. More and more politically, socially, everything's going to extremes. And so we need to understand that the same thing happens for people in their spiritual work. It's very common that people will only work on their mental, spiritual development, and they end up really growing the energy in their upper chakras. And so their upper chakras become very big and expanded, but their lower chakras become a tiny little stick, sometimes referred to as a lollipop pattern. And, uh-huh, yeah. and, and that's that's like uh, that's not a balanced form to have in physical incarnation. Yeah, that's the the bliss bunny that lives off of junk food. <laughs> that's right, and you know that the kind of the Western monastic path, which just kind of works on the mental spiritual side, but doesn't really get into the physical body and the physical world, and it leads to asceticism and all these types of things. The other side of that is the focus very much on physical body culture, on developing energetically, on developing strength. And that's also absolutely essential. But again, that can become one-sided, to where you can meet people who have the most incredible bodybuilder bodies, but you talk to them, and there's not much going on intellectually. Now, I'm not saying that across the board at all. I'm just no, saying I understand, though. Those are the some, polarities. Those are the polarities that can exist. So some people highly developed intellectually, spiritually, other people very developed physically, energetically. But of course, we have to have both in balance. Now, this is an ancient teaching. So in the Himalayas, they talked about Shiva and Shakti. So Shiva is ultimate consciousness. And that's the development of our consciousness to a higher level. And it's represented as an immovable center. So geometrically, it has a representation, which will make sense to us later when we get to biogeometry. So Shiva is the ultimate consciousness and creates an immovable center. Then dancing around it is the feminine polarity, which is uh, Shakti, and Shakti is ultimate energy, and she's what weaves and creates everything, just like it's women who give birth. So that female polarity is what actually creates the world. It's the matrix, the matrix, and it weaves all of creation together around the consciousness pole, which is at the center connected to the divine. Now, the same thing is true for every one of us. We literally have a Shiva pole in the center of our body. And this is one of the secrets of inner energy work from the Chinese Taoist, from advanced levels of uh, Kashmiri Shaivism in India and things like this. From the crown to the perineum, there is a complete column of energy 
that is a central pole in the energy body that everything else comes out of and grows out of, but it's the most important energy axis in the body. It often gets confused with the Kundalini channel going up the spine. They are not identical. That's in the connected to the back channel, and we're talking about the absolute center of the body. So there's a connection here between how we develop our consciousness and how we develop the energy body. God didn't give us one foot to hop on. He gave us a left foot and a right foot. And you step forward with one, and then you step forward with the other, and that's how you make progress in a polarized world. We're given the polarities of consciousness and energy. You cannot develop your consciousness in a stable way to a higher level without having a strong energy body to support it. The physical body and the energy body is the base of the pyramid that the capstone of the consciousness has to be on or the whole thing will crumble. But by the same token, if you don't have the consciousness developed, then there's nothing to guide you in the proper development of the physical and energetic bodies in a way that actually does create the type of longevity that the Chinese Taoists talked about, where it was common to live to be 150 years old. So there is an essential link here where to develop the energy and physical bodies to their fullest extent, not just for short-term muscular growth, but for long-term survival as a kind of Taoist immortal, that requires a lot of consciousness development and an analytical capacity. And by the same token, to develop our consciousness, we have to have a strong, supportive energy body. And so we really need people to understand that these two things are not exclusive. And we always need to keep checking in on ourselves. There's no stones to throw. We all make mistakes. We're all figuring it out. But we, if for people who have only developed on the consciousness side, which is something that I did for a long time, then you have to work more on the physical body integrity and the energy body. And for the people that focus more just on that side, there has to be the work on the consciousness development. Because that beautiful body that you've developed, you're not taken with you through the gate of death. What you're taken with you through the gate of death is your consciousness and your ability to perceive a non-physical worlds. So that's that's my perspective on it. Yeah, one question that came up, the the three channels in 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 yoga are, are referred to as Ida, Pingala and Shishuna if I remember right. That's right. And that correlates the, the you could call it the sympathetic, the parasympathetic. Now you're speaking of this energy center down the middle. Is this this isn't based on the structure of the spine. This isn't uh, an energy center that's located in space, not necessarily structurally located. Is that correct? It's not a physical structure. It's the energy structure which all physical matter forms around. So this is one of the great secrets of sacred geometry. And that is, well, let's go ahead and deal with this right now. I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but this is a good time to bring it in. This idea about in modern physics, they had a complete revolution in physics based on the concept of wave and particle. And so before they thought, well, everything's a particle. We just keep going deeper and deeper into smaller and smaller matter, and there'll be a final indivisible little solid thing. That's what they thought in the 1800s, a little solid billiard ball of matter, and that's everything else forms from that. It's the materialistic dream. Well, that all got blown out in 1900 with the discovery of black body radiation and the quantum revolution in physics. And they said, oh, well, actually, we find out that there's both a wave and a particle. And particles, physical matter, get formed by the collapse of the wave. That's literally what they call the collapse of the wave function in modern physics. Yes. And so this means that our energy body is the wave, and it actually 
collapses or crystallizes all the forms in the physical body. Today, we analyze that in terms of things like stem cells and things like that. But the stem cells are just another part of the particle system. And what's really behind it is the wave, the outline of the human body that gets filled up with matter. And so the central axis in the body exists as an energy circuit in the body before the physical body ever forms. And the physical body forms around that central axis of energy. So it's not a physical structure in the body, it's an energetic structure. Now, what happened when we began to develop modern metaphysics, again, with the advent of the Theosophical Society, which became the template for the modern New Age movement and modern metaphysics, is that they began to get bits and pieces of knowledge from different traditions. And we have to be aware that there's hidden secret knowledge in the Himalayas. There's hidden secret knowledge for the Chinese Taoists. There's a lot of hidden secret knowledge for the ancient Egyptians. The Egyptians say their mysteries were never betrayed. That means the real stuff that we knew and taught never got sent out to the public. Y'all never learned what we were really doing. And so they get little pieces of knowledge. So one of those things was they found about the Shushumna channel in, in yoga. But Shushumna, writ large, is really an interior channel along the spine that helps to move the energy up that's very similar to what's called the governing vessel in Chinese medicine. In Chinese medicine. It's quite similar. But there are some slight different structures because in reality, there is on the inside of the spine toward the center of the body, but not in the axial center, but along the interior of the spine, there's a channel of energy. There's another channel of energy that runs inside the spine. There's another one that runs, although not as well known, on the outside of the spine going up. Then there are the channels running up to both sides of the spine that Ida and Pingala channels like you were talking about. And those channels don't only run up straight, they actually cross over, creating a caduceus pattern going up like you see in some of the Indian and Nepalese illustrations. All of this is connected to the energetic structures of the body that the physical matter forms around. And so what happened is that many traditions considered the absolute center channel of the body, which referred to today in Taoist yoga as the thrusting channel, or the Taiji pole, and had some other names in ancient Chinese. And then some of the knowledge coming from India. And in some of the Indian traditions, we have to be aware the Indian tradition, just like the Taoist tradition, was not one unified tradition where everybody did the same thing. It's the whole concept of Hinduism is a name for the conglomerate of a whole bunch of different sects and groups that teach things a different way, develop their energy body in different ways, but with similar core concepts of chakras and nadis, etc. Same thing for the Taoists. They have the same core concepts of the energy body, but they develop the energy body differently based on those concepts. So it's considered to be very secret that there's an energy channel running from the crown to the perineum, and that's the core energy channel of the body that interacts with, but is separate from the energy channels running on the four sides of the spine and crisscrossing on it. These are all different energy channels. So one of our fascinating opportunities today and challenges is to be able to properly put together the pieces of information uh, from different traditions into a unified whole of the understanding of the subtle body and different practices. And then develop mass education programs so that people understand the importance of healthy, holistic diet and lifestyle practices as an integral part of spiritual development so that we don't have all this fragmentation like we were talking about earlier 
And I think that's one of the things I love about your sacred geometry uh, show on Gaia TV is that you really are exposing a lot of people to things that they would rarely ever see. I mean, to put that program together would have taken you years of your own research and development. And so a, you know, anybody can sit down and watch and within a few hours in front of a television can reach a level of understanding that they may never have found in multiple lifetimes, just hoping to come across teachers and books to give that to them. And that leads into my next question on your uh, recent sh uh, show, uh, Sacred Geometry, the Spiritual Science. You talked about the science of patterns and you described there's a pattern behind everything. You describe how we're subject to and sometimes victim to patterns throughout our lives unless we consciously understand and create with them, which is something that, you know, I personally believe and have studied, but I think you do a very good job of presenting it in digestible ways with good visual imagery. So could you expand on the concept of patterns and, and how ultimately everything is an expression of patterns and how that is important for us to understand. Absolutely. So if you go to any classical ancient spiritual tradition, they understood there are different levels of structure, different levels of manifestation from the high divine level where you're connected with the one being of all things and all beings together as a unity. And then you go down to these multiple levels, given different names and different traditions, all the way down to the physical plane. And we need to understand that the electromagnetic is actually below the physical plane. It's not life energy. It's not above the physical. It's actually below it. We'll go into that in more detail a little bit later. But the whole idea here is that there's a pattern behind everything. And so one of the things I describe in the uh, Gaia series is that the ancient traditions are almost all uniform in saying where all physical structure comes from is a thought form in the mind of God from that original unity field. It starts as a type of a thought form of a pure pattern. Then that pattern manifests in the spiritual tradition as archetypal spiritual beings, conscious spiritual beings as real as you and I, more real in some ways, much more advanced, that are an actual crystallization into conscious beingness of certain patterns and certain powers and certain functions. And then they understood that from there, you begin to form the patterns of karma, of actual physical incarnation, of what in the West and the Theosophical Society call the causal plane, then you come down to the forming of the structures of how we understand things conceptually at the mental plane. Then it comes down to how it forms the structures of our emotional body, which is what really drives most of our behavior. And then it comes down to that wave talked about in physics of the etheric body, the chi, ki, prana level of vital life force. And that's a pure energy structure that then gives the structure that the physical matter then condenses or crystallizes around to create the physical body. And then when those life energy forces are used up constructing the physical body, they decay below the speed of light and they become the electromagnetic spectrum. So if we understand that as the basic understanding in the ancient world for how everything works, then we can understand that it's the patterns behind everything that are absolutely key. So we have to understand as we grow up from a child to an adult and start taking care of ourselves instead of somebody else taking care of us, that process of maturation in every lifetime is a type of microcosmic playing out 
in a single lifetime, but what happens to us as a spiritual being across multiple lifetimes. We start not knowing anything, being very ignorant, and higher spiritual beings have to guide us and teach us. And then we incarnate in the physical body. We go through a whole series of those things. So our physical lifetime tends to be a microcosmic representation of the same pattern of the multiple lifetime journey. And this happens all over the place. Today, we call it fractals, that this particular pattern exists on all scales of development. And so I show, for example, in the Gaia series, that something like the Taurus pattern, if you get a sphere, which is the primary form for holding consciousness and energy together, if you get a sphere, which is a holding form, and you open it up at the top and bottom so energy can flow through it, like an hourglass shape in the center, and then flow around the outside and then back to the center and back around the outside, that's a Taurus. Like and cutting I, the core out of an apple. Exactly. An apple is based on a Taurus. You see it, how it's indented at the top and the bottom. And then the core of it with the seeds is right in the center line, the same as our central channel in the body. Once you start to perceive these patterns, you see how everything is connected and it's the same basic patterns that rule everything. And so I show in the Gaia series that the Taurus exists from the subatomic level. We have photographs of toroidal structures subatomically up to galactic levels that have toroidal structures. So this is the idea of scale invariance, that regardless of how big or small the scale is, the same pattern is the key pattern to create the energy flow. But the same thing is true for us emotionally and mentally. All of us, I think, have had the experience where we grow up and we have these tremendous yearnings, emotional yearnings. Where's our missing half? Where's the person we're going to unify with? Where's all of my romantic aspirations I was taught to have as a young child taking in media about that perfect partner I would have that would make my life complete? And we had that emotional yearning. And then through the school of hard knocks with some relationships that maybe didn't work out well and we were very naive in and we got knocked around, we began to say, oh, I better figure this out. And then we begin to see patterns. I have certain patterns of behavior I didn't know that screw up my relationships. I see dysfunctional patterns in other people, and maybe I can handle that in this person, but I don't want to deal with it in this person It's just too dysfunctional. So we start seeing those patterns at the emotional level. Same thing at the mental level. How do I put my life together? How do I divide my time in the day? What's important and not important to me? Everything has a pattern on every level. And once you begin to understand these patterns, the same thing is true on the spiritual levels. There are patterns to how spiritual beings work and operate. And this is going to be important for us because when we pass through the gate of death, if we don't have some understanding for how spirit operates and we haven't developed any organs of spiritual perception, we're as deaf, dumb, and blind spiritually as Helen Keller was in the physical world, where she had to be guided around everywhere. And that's why you see these pictures in the old Egyptian tradition, like from the Papyrus of Ani, which we know as the Egyptian Book of the Dead, and is better called the Book of Coming Forth into Light, that in that you see Ani, who's the initiate being trained, he's like bent over, hunched over, and he's got this greater being holding his hand and guiding him through these worlds that he's not able to navigate through or understand himself yet. That's what happens to every human being. Our goal is to develop to where we understand the patterns. You have a healthy body once you understand the patterns that make a healthy body. Until then, you're a victim of unhealthy patterns and not knowing what the patterns are. Same thing with your energy body. They have strong, vital force. You have to understand what the principles are for feeding that, both through the food we take in, through breathing practices, exercise, a whole variety of things. The emotional body being healthy, and you actually have a life that's emotionally full and fun and joyous, 
rather than a constant misery. Mental life, knowing how to control your own mind so your mind doesn't destroy your life, but your mind becomes a superpower. All these things are based on the knowledge of pattern. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's it's uh, it's such a beautiful core understanding that a lot of people don't even have a concept of. But it's it's you know I, it makes me think of the alchemists and and you know the symbols they use for earth, water, fire, air, and the marriage of these elements. And you know you look up the word chi in Chinese; it means steam. And I always tell my students, how do you make steam? Well, you have to have water. You have to have earth or a pot to put it in. You got to have fire. And if you don't have air, you can't have any steam. So what they're telling you is that what we call chi is the interaction, the energetic interaction of these four elements, which produces something called life force. So point being is we think of earth, water, fire, air as separate patterns that interact with each other to create uh, an emergent property which we would call life force, then you, you, you start to say, ah, oh, I, I can see this. And, and, you know, what is the weather? It's the interaction of the elements. What is your emotions? It's the interaction of elements. What is your mind? It's dependent upon the interaction of those elements. And if you're eating a bunch of junk food or drinking too much of this or not breathing properly, etc., then you're screwing up the balance of the elements, which affects every level of your being. So I think, you know, they're, they're very important core concepts. Um, Robert, you informed me that the Vesica pattern uh, that your institute is named after after is a sacred pattern. Is there any relationship between the Vesica pattern, the biogeometry aspect of unity and polarity, and the BG3 energy of the center? Uh, You might need to explain BG3, um, along with the polarized powers of specialized creation in the 12-band system, which again is biogeometry. So anyhow, can you explain the nature of unity and of opposite or complementary opposites in our lives and how they meet together to create a gateway to the divine? I know that's a a lot of stuff for the listeners, but don't worry, he'll explain it to you. (laughs) That's such a great topic, because again, this is one of those things that should be metaphysics 101 for people, but a lot of people never got. We don't get issued our metaphysics 101 books, but whatever we happen to be exposed to and the world around us today, which is not always the most important information. So the key of everything is that, and all classical traditions agree on this, that everything came from a unity, the one. Now, in modern materialistic physics, they describe that state of unity, the one, where there is no polarity, there is no duality, everything is unified. They refer to this as the singularity. That singularity, according to physics, that unified state, which they don't understand anything about, they admit, is the source of all creation because that unity, the one, split into polarity, the two. And then our whole world is based on polarity, positive and negative charges with the electron and the proton. Inside, outside. Yep. Up, down, male, female, light, dark. Positive and negative charges in electricity and magnetism. Like you say, with the yin-yang and the male-female, the opposites attract and the same repel. That's a universal principle that you'll see anytime you get a bar magnet, try to put the two similar poles together. They repel each other. You can feel something feels like a gelatinous force field pushing them apart. And you get the two uh, opposite poles and you can't keep them apart. They They want to be together. 
So what polarity does is it allows things to be separate, but energetically moving with each other, energetically affecting each other. That allows evolution. That allows dynamic development by being in a polarized world. The only evolution as a spiritual being is only possible in a polarized world, in the school of hard knocks here on the physical plane. And that's why we're sent here to a polarized world. Otherwise, we often, when we're suffering in the physical world, say, I just want to be back, you know, in that blissful unity state that I came from, that we all subconsciously know exists and we subconsciously yearn for, and then sometimes dysfunctionally try to attain through things like opiates or things that put us in that state but destroy our physical lives. But we have a subconscious yearning for it, and that yearning can sometimes be addictive. Yes. We have to understand the reason for being here on the physical plane, for actually having the internal fortitude to grapple with the polarized world where we may suffer and we may not get what we want, but it's part of developing to a higher level than we were before. So everything is polarized. Everything is split here. And so when the ancient knowledge of energy science from the old traditions got lost, it was reclaimed to begin with by French researchers in the early 1900s. This is something that I talk about in a series of courses that I offer called Vibrational Testing and Healing, where I teach people this lost French knowledge from the early 1900s, where they actually rediscovered the keys to all this ancient energy science. It's incredibly important. And then Egyptian biogeometry with Dr. Karim was built on top of that. When I first began to train with Dr. Karim in the early 2000s, he said, you know, what we're doing in biogeometry energetically is built on the discovery of the French researchers in the early 1900s that nobody seems to know about anymore, even in metaphysical circles. Almost nobody knows this even exists. But what actually happened was that, and this is not a conspiracy theory, this is based on books written by the participants in the early 1900s in French. What actually happened was that the Jesuit order within the Catholic Church went around the world collecting esoteric information and bringing it back to the Vatican Library. That's simply a historical fact. And one thing they did with that knowledge is they were very interested in Egypt, and they really tried to cultivate Egyptian knowledge. Somehow putting this stuff together, they were able to develop in their own circles an understanding of what we call radiesthesia. Radiesthesia is the ability to directly detect subtle radiations that are too subtle to be detected by electromagnetic equipment, but that the human body and energy field can be trained to detect. These are the real life energy forces. Little metal boxes don't pick it up, but they can pick up electromagnetic waves because they're decayed to a lower level. But the true life energy forces, radiesthesia can detect. And so they developed a system of this that they then trained French-speaking Catholic priests in that science. The most famous of those was Abbe Mermet, a Swiss Catholic priest who wrote a book that was very, very famous. You can still get copies of it today. That was called in French, Joe Pair, How I Work. And in English, it's called The Principles and Practice of Radiesthesia. He revealed that he was trained by the Jesuits and that the Jesuits were doing things like they were trained missionaries going to a foreign country to use radiesthesia to detect the life forces from things so that they could tell, is this water drinkable or is it poisonous? If I have an illness, what plant in the natural landscape is going to heal that illness? All these very practical things where they can make themselves useful to the local people, they could survive themselves, and they can say, my God's better than your God because I can actually <laughs> show you how to heal that illness that you didn't know up until now, or something of that kind. Yeah. So, so 
Abbe Mermet let the cat out of the bag. He published a public book that became a bestseller about this and described these pendulum techniques and rod techniques to, to test this. So this is based on what we think of today as dowsing. But I, I want to make something really clear to the listeners. Most of what we have today in North America and Europe that we call dowsing is mental dowsing. That's not the ancient form of it. That's a modern form. And I did mental dowsing for years before I learned the vibrational forms of dowsing from Dr. Kareem, who taught me the beginnings of the French method that we use today in biogeometry. And I was so fascinated by it that with Dr. Kareem's encouragement, I went and I collected a lot of the old French texts, and I had them translated into English. And I began to learn more about what they had done with this incredible lost knowledge. It all got blown away by World War II. When the Nazis took over Germany, everybody was just trying to eat, and they forgot about this whole thing. So the French had discovered the keys to this old energy science. So with this, you're using, like, let's say, an Abbe Mermet system, using a pendulum. And it's not mental dowsing. In mental dowsing, you would ask a question, and you would program the pendulum to move a certain way to give you like a yes or no answer. That's not at all what we're talking about here. This ancient method is to use things like pendulums, and they found all kinds of specific pendulums in archaeological digs in Egypt, thousands and thousands of these things in the Valley of the Kings and elsewhere that are now in museums all over the world that are actually energetic vibrational pendulums used for radiesthesia 5,000 years ago. So what Abbe Mermet did in giving out the knowledge to the public is people who had nothing to do with the Catholic Church weren't that spiritually oriented to begin with, people who were scientists, people like Louis Turin, who was a radio wave engineer in France in the early 1900s, who taught at the Sorbonne. He taught the French military radio wave technology. He was smart enough to understand that what we have today with our radio wave and electromagnetic technologies is scraping the surface of all the natural waves that exist. And so he began to use that knowledge to create radiesthesia tools that could detect all the different parts of the spectrum of energy that makes up life energy and the healing forces that actually heal biological life, which we didn't have any frame of reference for before. It's not the electromagnetic spectrum. It's not the spectrum of matter that we call the periodic table. This is the spectrum of life energy itself. P3OM by Bioptimizers is hands down one of the most important supplements to have on you everywhere you go. If you're traveling, if you go to work, if you're going to friend's house to eat, this product will knock out food poisoning and almost any kind of gut disorder from viruses, bacteria, fungi, whatever could irritate your gut so quickly. It's mind-blowing. I have been using this product since Wade Lightheart first turned me on to it, and he's the formulator of it. And I've got Wade here to tell us how it works, but I just want you to hear it from me. I have all my clients use this. I try to get it to friends, to family members, because it is really like your own bodyguard. So Wade, how in the world does this thing work so well every time? Well, as you know, we're very research oriented and we have literally a university in Croatia that we do microbiome testing with our labs of PhDs to find out what's the most effective formulation. And we are quickly moving into the post-antibiotic world where we need to cultivate super 
probiotics. We all heard of super bad bacteria in hospitals and stuff that are antibiotic resistance. But what we did, we worked with a medical doctor that was able to take an aggressive strain of L. plantarum, which is a very aggressive strain, and then put it through almost like a BUDS camp, a Navy SEALs training where we subjected this particular probiotic to a toxic environment. We ran a sine wave through it. And out of that survived only about somewhere between two and 3%. We then take that and grow it on very special food. We feed them just like you would feed a great athlete. You feed them special food and the probiotics develop unique capabilities. We have a US patent that is so powerful. I can't read it on the airwaves because we'd get canceled. But what I can say is when you put P3OM in your body, it goes out and breaks down any undigested protein, whether it's in your gut or through your blood system. And it becomes your Navy SEALs defense force, if you will, to go out and wipe out whatever pathogen might come in your body. You just need more of these guys to overwhelm it. It takes it out. It cleans up any messes. And for the last 18 years, I've been using P3OM daily. And I can honestly say, I've never been sick during that time. If I feel something coming on, I just double down my dosage, take four caps every night. If I get a little, if I'm traveling, I take twice that. And it's been great. A lot of our people do it. And it's one of our best-selling products. And it's available to your audience. Just go to p3om.com slash living40. Put in Paul 10, get a 10% discount. And if it's not the best probiotic you've ever had in your life, you get 100% of your money back. That's from us at Bioptimizers. That's our guarantee for you. Go get it. It's for real. I love the stuff. Thank you, Wade. I am leading up to answering your question directly about the vesica, but this is the background to it. No, it's good. Just um, it's bringing up other questions, but I'll I'll uh, I'll just let you flow so I don't yeah. sidetrack you. So the only way to really explain how this connects to biogeometry is to go through this little bit of background. Oh no, I love it. I love it. It's very interesting. And so what Louis Turin then did is he understood that all of our modern science and technology is based on the discovery of the two spectrums, the spectrum of all physical matter, where we can now differentiate and distinguish every piece of physical matter that we call the periodic table. Until we could do that, we couldn't really do anything because we don't know what to use to make something. We could do a certain range of things we knew from what we inherited from the ancient world, but it was fairly limited. But now that you know what all the elements are and you can get a sense of what they do, great. Then for the electromagnetic spectrum, which wasn't completed until around 1932, we had the, the same sort of thing. Once you know what the low frequencies do, that they can push electrons through a wire to make a engine run in a system, great. Now we have Tesla's alternating current system that electrified the world. Once they knew that the radio frequencies and microwave frequencies can send information wirelessly over great distances, great. Now we have radio waves and we have all of our modern cellular communication technology. But all of our modern technology is based on the discovery of two spectrums, spectrum of electromagnetic energy and the physical spectrum of the periodic table. So today, if you have a cell phone, they have to know what kind of silica and germanium and other types of things they need to, to make a physical cell phone, and then what particular electromagnetic frequencies will make it run. But if you didn't have the specificity of the spectrum to choose from, you could never make a cell phone. So now we're at the verge, based on this French knowledge, of being able to create a type of life energy technology that can create things that 
were almost beyond our imagination before because now we know the spectrum of all of the biological life force energies. And one thing that I set myself as a goal for was something the French didn't completely elaborate was what are the functions of each one of the bands of energy at the level of biological life force energy. So Louis, Tur Louis Turin is the person that created the foundation of what I call the universal vibrational spectrum. Just like we have the spectrum of electromagnetic energy, the spectrum of physical matter, we need to have a spectrum differentiating all the biological forces. What creates heat? What creates cold? What creates activation? What creates sedation? What creates the activation of this organ versus that organ? What creates equilibrium in the midst of an imbalance? These are specific bands of energy that we now know from the French work and can apply with what we call physical or vibrational radiesthesia, the ability to test these energies. So Louis Turin created the foundation of making an actual spectrum of these biological life forces and having these radiesthesia tools that we use as an extension of our own energy field to detect those energies. So I didn't want this information to get lost. Dr. Kareem always says he built biogeometry on that knowledge and then took it new directions, which I'll talk about in just a moment. And so that's why, with his encouragement, I translated the French text and I began to put the information together. There's a copyright issue with my being able to publish my translations. I don't have the copyright to these texts, but otherwise only available in French. And most of the people I know don't speak French. If you're French, great, you can read the originals. So what I did is I collected the information out of there and I put them into three online courses. And that's called the Vibrational Testing and Healing Series. And the first course in the series is called Personal Wavelength. The Personal Wavelength course is the one that teaches what the French called medical radiesthesia. At one time, there were thousands of medical doctors in France and Europe that used medical radiesthesia as part of their daily practice to be able to detect where the problems were in a person's body, to detect what are the markers of what kind of problem is it in the person's body to detect what type of vibrational input can I put into their body or energy field to solve that problem. Because a horrific thing today in modern medicine, and I want to make clear, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't diagnose or treat any illness. What I do is I teach people about this knowledge, and you can apply it freely for yourself. You make your own decisions. But one of the problems today in modern medicine is that the AMA will accept. They actually say, oh, yeah, it's true that we may lose 100,000 people or more in the United States every year to properly prescribed medication. Well, it does seem to me that it's properly prescribed if it killed the person. <laughs> no, uh, that's, a, that's a bit of a paradox of concepts there. And, and so the problem with this is that they will not allow any type of energetic testing of a person. They think energetic testing is complete nonsense. It's just complete woo-woo bullshit. So they don't accept any of that. But if you did a little bit of energetic testing, teach somebody to do pulse diagnosis, like the Chinese and Indians did, teach somebody right. to do educational kinesiology. Yes. And I, I really think the master science of all this is the radiesthesia, and it can do things none of those other sciences can do. It's much more exhaustive. It's much more wide-reaching uh, wide than these other sciences. But with any of these, what the French medical doctors did is they used the radiesthesia, what they called medical radiesthesia, and they could test before they told somebody to take this medication or before they injected it in their arm. They could see if they were going to have a reaction to it beforehand by doing energetic testing. So they had incredible, fantastic results with this. So anyway, I studied a bunch of this and I put together 
a comprehensive introduction to the key of the French medical radiesthesia that's called personal wavelength. Then the second course in the series is called Universal Vibrational Spectrum. And that's where we go into all the bands of the life energy spectrum, of the universal vibrational spectrum. As far as I know, that course is the only place in the world that actually will tell you what each of the 12 bands are and what each of the 12 bands does at the physical, energetic, emotional, mental, and spiritual levels. Now, it's just an introduction to this, just a few pages on each one of those bands. But it took me years of research to figure that out from a lot of background material because the French never consolidated it. And my thing from the beginning was, if we have all these bands that make up life energy, what does each one do? Right. And what does it do on the different levels of structure? Yes. So I spent a lot of time constructing what's in that that class, the universal vibrational spectrum, as a unique resource. And then the third uh, class or course in the series is the custom vibrational healing. How do you put all this knowledge together to find how to bring together vibrational sources to create the composite vibration a person needs for whatever the problem is? So the French developed this whole system, at our point of the story we are at right now, they developed this whole system to identify all the separate bands, the complete spectrum of biological life force and life energy itself, which modern biology says doesn't exist, Hmm. but is the foundation of every ancient healing system in the world that modern science has thrown out the window, but luckily people are still cultivating an Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, etc. Now it's on top of that, that Dr. Kareem then came in, and in the 1970s, Dr. Kareem was taught by an Egyptian medical doctor, a Coptic Christian Egyptian medical doctor taught Dr. Kareem how to use the French medical radiesthesia, how to use these French discoveries of the complete spectrum of these energies. Dr. Kareem was fascinated by this, And he went to France on a mission for the Egyptian government. He's an architect, not a medical doctor, but he's incredibly brilliant and can do incredible energy healing, though he never makes any claims for it. Again, he's not a medical doctor, so he makes no medical claims. So he went to to Paris, and he went to the Maison de la Radiesthese, the place where they collected all this knowledge together in in France from the different radiesthesias. And when he got there, there was an, an elderly lady there who was the widow of the founder, uh, Madame Lambert. And he starts talking to her. And first she, she comes up to him and says, uh, where have you been? I've been waiting for you for days. Yeah. And he's like, he hadn't told anybody he was going there. Yes. He says, coming was kind of foreseen. Long story short, because it's a whole story in itself. She ended up like recognizing who he was spiritually, took him to the basement of the Maison, and gave him trunks full of the original research notes, the original books, the original research equipment of all these French guys, because nobody was doing anything with it at that time in the 70s. What an amazing orchestration of spirit right there. Yeah, incredible. And so Dr. Green was incredibly grateful. He often refers to it as a treasure one could not buy. And he shipped it all back to Cairo. And uh, they kind of recognized at the time that in the French works where they wrote about this incredible vibrational energy science of the ancients that they were rediscovering with their vibrational radiesthesia, they kept saying the Chinese knew a lot about it, the Indians knew a lot about it, all these ancient cultures worked with it, but the people that we found that knew it the most was ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm. Ancient Egyptians mastered the art of what they called shape-caused waves. Mm-hmm. These are the subtle energy waves coming from any geometric form or any shape. It's the hidden side of sacred geometry. 
Today, people often talk about sacred geometry in a very amorphous way. It's kind of like a philosophical thing. But it was a practical energy science. Biogeometry is reclaiming the practical energy science side of sacred geometry, which is why it's so incredibly important, because it's the key to everything. So Dr. Karim took that stuff back to Egypt, began to work with it. And he asked an incredibly important mental question with this. He said the French identified all of the polarized energies that make up the life energy functions in the world, everything inside your own energy body that creates every function you possibly need, whether it's more yin or more yang or all these different types of functions. He said, but this is always shown by the French as a circle. And on the outside of the circle are all these different bands of energy. And again, one of them might activate this organ and this other one will sedate this organ. They all have different energies and they're polar opposites to each other. And he said, but they're not asking what's in the center of the circle. And so he, with this kind of brilliant Alexander the Great breaking the Gordian knot type of thing, he used this lateral thinking. And he said, in addition to the bands of polarized energies, all these bands have opposites that the French discovered. There's got to be something in the center that's a universal harmonizing energy. That's not polarized. This is the energy from the original unity state, because the original unity state broke into the polarity that made up everything in our world. Two opposite genders, yin and yang, light and dark, hot and cold, all that stuff. So he's like, the French have mapped out all the polarized energies of the polarized split as it, as it pertains to human life energy. But what about that unified field force, that original energy of a singularity, that divine state in the center. And he actually then identified, using the French bands, particular energy bands that resonated more strongly with the center than others, particular sub-bands in the whole system. And that's what developed the concept BG3. He, in his initial work, he discovered three precise sub-bands within the 12-band system of the French that we use for practical purposes. It's not that hard to learn. That's why I teach the French work on this in the Universal Vibrational Spectrum course. And in biogeometry, we use the knowledge of these bands for our own purposes in that system, which we'll talk about more in a minute. So Dr. Karim then referred to this energy of the center as either the one energy quality, because it's the energy of a unified field energy, and it has no polar opposite. It's not dualistic. Or he refers to it as the BG3, because he originally found three sub-bands within the French system that resonate more strongly with the center. Today, in the biogeometry advanced training, we'll teach people 28 sub-bands that resonate very strongly with the center. But it, we have to understand that these are where that center energy resonates with the polarized energies on the periphery very strongly, but it in itself is a unity of the one in the middle. It has no duality or anything else. And what Dr. Kareem found is that he could directly tap in to that unified field force, the universal harmonizing energy of the BG3, and that would harmonize and balance all other energies in existence, all the other energies that exist with all the other polarized bands. They get unified, tied together in the center, and harmonized to harmonize all these different energies we have in our body and energy field Without the harmonizing force, everything just becomes chaos, and it just tears apart at every level of creation, including in the human body. But if you can amplify that harmonizing energy, everything improves. Everything gets better. 
It's the universal donor. That harmonizing energy of the BG3 is the only energy in existence, which comes from the divine plane, the original unity, that you cannot overdose on. Nobody ever died because it said, oh, Joe, he got too centered. And, you know, he, he dropped dead. It, it doesn't work that way. You can't get too centered. It would be the opposite of me. That damn Joe, he's so centered, we can't get rid of him. He's a thousand, he's a, he's a thousand years old. Yeah, he's a... And I, I, I bet you if you were to test the actual energy fields of the Taoist immortals that are like incredibly old, it's full of this harmonizing energy. Sure. Because that's what allows things to, to last. So he created then, Dr. Karim created an entire system of biogeometry. This concept from the French of the shape caused waves where geometric forms emit particular energies of the bands, or if you know how to modify them, can actually emit the energy of that harmonizing universal field force which Dr. Green figured out how to do, and created the entire system of biogeometry. So biogeometry is about the effect of shape-caused waves and geometric energies on life forces. And so that became the foundation of biogeometry. So Dr. Kareem added to the French knowledge of the polarized bands, the knowledge of the universal harmonizing energy that the Spiritual traditions refer to as the divine plane energies. That's where the Godhead is. That's where the one is. But we have so many weird ideas about it. We just refer to it as the energy of the center, the universal harmonizing force. Right. And so biogeometry then created a system that was focused completely on how do you manifest and amplify and direct and apply the universal harmonizing force. But in biogeometry, we use some of the French knowledge. Not all of it, but some of it that is directly relevant to the task of biogeometry of amplifying that universal harmonizing field force, because not only does it have tremendous effects on the human biological life force energy and all natural energies, where you live in your living environment, your home and office, it harmonizes all these things. It's unbelievable. It's a universal science. But we can use some of the band energy testing from the French work to, to bring that work along further. So I wanted, to, in addition to what Dr. Kareem had done with that incredible development of the French work for the universal harmonizing energy, which is not in the French work, I wanted to make sure that we had the foundation of it in the French work preserved, as well from all of my translations and research. And that's where I create that series of courses. And just as a quick side note, we can mention more on it later, for the listeners of your program, we are doing a promotion where they can get $75 off of the first of those three classes, the personal wavelength class, where I teach the foundation of the French medical radiesthesia by using the code Paul75. And we'll talk more about that later. Is it Paul or check? It's Paul, P-A-U-L. Because oh, okay, I was afraid that some people, if I, we told them check, they might misspell check. They do. They, they often do. That's why I often repeat it like four times in a podcast. <laughs> So that's why I said make the, the, the discount code P-A-U-L in capital letters and the number seven five because you get $75 off. Well, that's also a good screening test because if you can't spell Paul, you probably won't understand <laughs> the course. <laughs> yeah, you probably won't get too far in the course if you can't figure out how to spell Paul. So, so anyway, where we are now in answering your question is we've gone through the French rediscovery of the ancient vibrational science, the lost energy science behind sacred geometry, which made it applicable which today with all this philosophical sacred geometry stuff, people people don't know how to really make it as practical as it can be. And then how that developed into Dr. Kareem's biogeometry, where he brought in this really advanced sacred aspect 
of the universal harmonizing force. And how do you use that to harmonize all those band energies discovered by the French? So your question originally was on, I call my institute the Vesica Institute. Why do I call it that? And how does that relate to Dr. Kareem's work? So let's first explain to people with that background knowledge what the Vesica is. So the first form in sacred geometry is just a point. It's the point in the center of the circle. And you see that point in the center of the circle geometry in virtually every classical tradition. So the point in the center of the circle is the secret of how the zero-dimensional point, the singularity, the one, the divine plane, then moves out and expands outward, like the expansion of the Big Bang described in physics, to become a sphere of creation. So the point in the center of the circle is really a point in the center of a sphere. The sphere is the archetypal, perfect, harmonized form to contain creation. Whether that creation is a cell in your body, whether that creation is a planet, whether that creation is the universe. And so we see the point in the center of the circle being used as an image in ancient sacred geometry, where in the ancient Egyptian tradition, it was the image for Ra'a, the netter or being of the sun, the forces of the sun itself. Because the sun is the center of our uh, solar system, and everything moves around that center. And without that, there's no life, there's no heat, there's no life energy. So the symbol for the sun is the point in the center of the circle. If you look at alchemy, it's the symbol for gold. If you look at the work of the Rosicrucians or the Freemasons, they'll show you in their books a point in the center of the circle, and it'll be labeled the Godhead because that's the actual form how you connect the Godhead in the center. Dr. Kareem has made that practical in biogeometry, how you actually connect to the energy of the center in architecture, in design, in all types of methods using shape, sound, color, motion, angle, proportion. And so the point in the center of the circle is about that original divine unity in the center, and then it moves out to the encompassing sphere that becomes a container for energy and consciousness. Now, that sphere can be a unity. If you double it and it splits like a fertilized egg in a mother's womb and has the original split of the fertilized egg, then the one becomes two. And it literally forms a vesica Pisces in the mother's womb with the original fertilized egg where one splits to two, then has all the other splits to create the body. And then the functional energy fields of sacred geometry, the, the life forces, then create the force outline that the replicating cells begin to differentiate according to the stem cells and create all the different parts of the body. So that moving from unity, the first circle or sphere, into duality creates a vesica Pisces, two overlapping circles, and where they overlap creates a perfect almond-shaped form in the center. In the east, you might see the Buddha in that center of the vesica. In the West, you might see uh, the Virgin Mary, or you might see the Christ. Over all the cathedrals of Europe, they'll show you a vesica with Christ in the center of it. Why? Because these beings hold a balance connected to the divine in the center of the yin and the yang, the positive and negative, the spirit and matter. That was a complete understanding in the ancient world. So a very important part of this is that to create the vesica Pisces, you have one circle of a given size. When you add another circle of the same size, its outer boundary must touch the center of the first circle. And then 
the outer boundary of the first circle will touch the center of the second circle. So that means that the periphery of creation connects to the divine, the source of creation, in that connection of the periphery and center in the Vesica Pisces. Now, often this type of thing, if it's spoken about at all, and this is very rarely spoken of, is spoken of as a philosophy. It's not just abstract philosophy. This is an energy science. This can be applied. We use variations on this form in biogeometry to create energetic fields. It's, it's very important. And so that form of the vesica then is what is the, the center, the balance point between the two opposite polarities of the two circles. Today, we use that same pattern and we call it a Venn diagram. Like where do things overlap? There's this thing here and it overlaps with this thing in the Venn diagram. That's a vesica. It's a, a modern intellectual take on a vesica. So I call my organization the Vesica Institute because it's about teaching how spirit and science connect, how spirit and matter connect, how consciousness and energy connect. And for higher level alchemy, yin and yang connect, masculine and feminine, like with Tantra. Everything's based on the unity of these two polarities in the center, the vesica. So this is a very important concept of sacred geometry. And that is that these most important sacred geometry forms, like the ones that I teach in the Gaia series, every episode is devoted to a different form because every form in sacred geometry is like a letter of a divine alphabet. And the beings that created our world use those forms in combination with each other. It's like we put together letters to make a word or to make a sentence. They put together the sacred geometric shapes like words to create everything in our world, including our physical bodies and energetic bodies. And so the concept of the Vesca Institute, again, is teaching how these things fit together, consciousness and energy, spirit and science, etc., to form the basic knowledge and skill set every human being needs to navigate consciously in the world and use your lifetime for the maximum benefit. Because we tend most people tend to fritter away their lives on a bunch of nothing. Yeah. What, ha- what then happens, what then happens, like I talked about in the old Egyptian mysteries, is when they cross the gate of death, they're deaf, dumb, and blind. They haven't developed any organs of spiritual perception. They haven't developed the ability to navigate by themselves in the higher worlds, and they're just kind of in the streamlike state in the afterlife until they get stuck back in a body and using the organs in their body. Now they can be conscious enough to do things, but then they just get lost again and spend it doing a bunch of nonsense and they, you know, how many school of hard knocks incarnations do you need before you wake up and actually use a lifetime properly? Right. Now this, this connects to Dr. Kareem's work and this finalizes my very long winded answer. That's all right. It's very interesting. I, I, I think it's fascinating and I, I think it's, you know, because I study a lot of these things, I can follow you, but I think even for people that may not have the background what they can pick up is that there's a developmental sequence. There's a history to radionics or radiesthesia. There's um, a understanding of geometry or shape and how these things interact and that they relate to everything from energy to the periodic table. And, and, you know, it's, it's what I like about it is it shows you the underpinnings of a lot of the things that we learn in school, but we never learn about how, like how did the periodic table get identified and what does that really mean? It's just mem- memorize this like your mathematics tables and, and don't ask any questions beyond that, you know? And, and I think 
I always find it fascinating when you're learning how the dots connect, because then you can get past the surface of something, just like Ibrahim Karim studied the French system, which catapulted him into his own, shall we say, it probably awoken his soul to what he was really here to do, right? Yes, yes, and yes. So yeah. I think when we hear these things, even if we don't deeply understand them, it speaks to our soul and, and helps us wake up at some level. And of course, in the online courses for the French work, the Vibrational Testing and Healing Series, Personal Wavelength, etc., I go into it in a lot more detail, a lot more slowly, with a lot more practical applications, and with more illustrations so you can actually see what I'm talking about. <clears throat> and the Biogeometry online training is the same thing. A lot more detail to flesh it out and be able to apply it. But we can connect this idea then, the part of your question, how does this connect to Dr. Kareem's work? That, again, the vesica creates that harmonized balance point, which is that harmonizing energy of the BG3, the one energy quality Dr. Kareem talks about, and that biogeometry is focused on creating and manifesting, in the midst of the energy on that outer periphery, which is polarized and connected to the 12 bands of energy that we use in biogeometry. And so this concept of the center and that harmonizing energy and the periphery where all of the polarized energies that create movement and evolution and all of the, the delightful energy dance that we have in the physical world, then that's where that manifests. So again, Dr. Kareem's work is really focusing on those energies of the center. And then the French work is focused on the energies of the perimeter of the polarized forces. If you understand both of those, you've got the entire, the entire cookbook to the creation of life energy and how it works in the world. Which gives you a lot of responsibility for yourself. <laughs> That's right. It opens up a lot of things. And when Dr. Kareem began to develop biogeometry, some of the people that gave him some of his background and some of the French work and that sort of thing, they actually followed the old Egyptian idea of you never talk about these things publicly. These mysteries have been hidden for thousands of years. And so when Dr. Kareem began to talk about it publicly, he received a lot of resistance from some people in Egypt that said uh, things like, you know, this stuff has been kept secret forever. Don't, you shouldn't be releasing this to the public. And Dr. Kareem's view of it is the world is going down so quickly. We are, we are giving people access to all the knowledge they need for the destructive activities of modern technology which is going to destroy everything. But we're going to withhold from them the knowledge of how they can heal and redeem this from these vibrational sciences. It says that we can't wait any longer. It must come out now. And I agree with him very, very much on Me that. Me too. And also we've received resistance on things like, uh, you know, people saying, if you're going to teach it to anybody, don't teach it to the Americans. <laughs> you know, it's like, who, who's guaranteed to do something crazy with it? That's you like know? saying, but, if you're going to teach health, don't go to the sick people. <laughs> and Dr. Kareem, who's a joker, he would he would like jokingly reply like uh, exactly what you said yeah. that you know if anybody needs to learn this, it's the Americans. <laughs> so one of the first places he came to teach biogeometry after he began to teach it publicly in Egypt was to the United States, and I was so fortunate to be able to come to one of his first trainings in the United States, and I was the guy that was always there at all the trainings, taking all the notes, silently taking it all in. And that's why he invited me several years later to be the first person outside of Egypt that he would authorize to teach biogeometry. And that's just another indication of how smart he is. 
<laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think I just kept turning up and he had to do something with me. Hi, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to take a moment to tell you about a product that I think everybody could really use. It's Symbiotica's Activated Charcoal, which is a beautiful daily detox. Most people have no idea how toxic their bodies are until they get very sick. And if they're lucky enough to have a holistic physician that runs tests on them, they usually find out pretty quick. They've got all sorts of environmental chemicals, plastics from foods, bisphenol, you name it. I have seen some shocking environmental toxicity tests come back when I run functional medicine tests on patients. But I've been using Symbiotica's activated charcoal just as my sort of backup detox plan. And it not only tastes good, it works super good, but better yet, they've improved the formula. So I asked Shervine if he'd come hang out with me and tell me all about it. So Shervine, what's new and why should everybody consider this product? Well, it's a brand new product. Okay. So we moved it from the Myron glass bottle into 30 sachet tearaways so it's versatile like a daily dose yeah and you can take it anywhere you want you're on a plane right you're out on vacation you're out on the street you're out at the bar you're out at restaurants it's put in your pocket that's how we all use it yeah we also upgraded the actual formula we added zeolite and bentonite clay so it's Mm. a trifecta of coconut charcoal zeolite and bentonite clay and this helps so many things and as you said so eloquently, we're in a toxic world. Yeah. We're in the we're in an industrialized world yes. where everything's off-gassing. We mm-hmm. have EMFs, we have poisons, there's things in the soil, there's things in the water supply, the food. We don't even know what the hell the food is anymore. No. This helps reduce gas and bloating. This uh, brings on an antioxidant style protection, promotes healthy skin, supports liver detox. So it's like almost adding another liver in your body yeah. or it takes the burden off the liver, Yes, which is what we want to do. We want to reduce the amount of toxic load and burden that our vital organs are basically under assault with. Yes, And taking something so simple that's delicious, that's all organic mm-hmm. is the best ever. And also a really nice side effect of cleansing the system that way is you have less body odor, Less yep. bad breath, which is where we exhaust all and our toxins. a lot of people lose a lot of weight when they detox because the more toxic your body is, the more water it holds on to to try to detoxify you. Correct. And if you're a ma- if you're a man, you know we gather our toxins in our gut. That's why we have belly fat for men. Women have it more on the re- on the rear side. Mm-hmm. The body has a way of protecting the vital organs by yeah. stuffing all the toxins into in fat. adipose fat. Yeah. So this is a very versatile product. I'm very happy with it best news ever. Excellent. Well, I'm super excited. I love the product and it's nice to have a detox product that that's powerful, that that tastes good and is not uncomfortable to take every day, which I think is really important for kids. So hope you enjoy it and cheers to a cleaner body. To get 15% off this product and all the other amazing products by Symbiotica, go to symbiotica.com and use the promo code L4D15 at checkout. That's symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com with the promo code capital L, the number four, capital D, and the number one five. Uh, Robert, that's all very, very fascinating, and and I'm totally digging everything you're saying. I, I think it's such important information for people to, even if they don't really understand it, they can take your courses, they can look into biogeometry. Um, you know, it really, it's like, um, you know, it's opening a, a whole new vista of realization where somebody can 
actually learn that there's so much more that they can do, not only to, to empower themselves, to take care of themselves, but to understand the deeper mysteries of who are we? How did we get here? What is this all about? Uh, I, I mean, since I was a child, those questions just pestered the hell out of me and ultimately is what led me to creating my own institute and, and sharing what I found because I found it was so important. I'm like, how can anybody function without this stuff? You know, you got to know some really important basic things. As you were talking, a couple of things popped into my head. I wondered if you could tell me where do information fields fit into this radiesthesia, biogeometry, sacred geometry model? So the idea of information fields is connected with what in the ancient world would be considered to be the science of thought forms. And so we have to understand that what happens is that certain phenomena are characterized with certain terms and certain times and places. And then the same phenomena is described slightly different terms in another time and place, and sometimes from a slightly different perspective. But what this comes down to is that there is information embedded in a lot of these subtle energy waves that create the structural components around which all matter forms. And so one example of this is actually the information field question is such a large one, it could go a lot of directions. But one aspect of it is that in the work happening today with microcurrent healing, these incredibly small electrical charges with a very specific frequency, we know that specific frequencies have information that creates specific biological activities in the body. And so there's an embedded information aspect of this. And this is one of the great debates when it comes to things like EMF safety, according to government regulatory authorities and industry. The only thing you have to worry about with EMF is when it gets so intense, it begins to heat up your tissue and burn you. Other than that, they ignore the fact that all the electromagnetic energies around us have an information component and that those invisible waves then affect the different parts of our body in in a whole variety of very specific ways. So today with frequency-specific microcurrent and other fields that are somewhat medical in this area, they know that there are very specific frequencies that can hold very specific information for the human biological system. Now, that's at the level of like a practically applied healing modality that an invisible wave carries information. If we take that up to the higher metaphysical level, then you find that what is referred to as the mental plane, the causal plane, the spiritual plane in classical traditions and in the theosophical society that these are, again, areas that hold great amounts of information and that these can be non-physical energy fields around a person's energy field, around a location, or somewhat like the concept of the Akashic Records that people have, where we can use our superpower of focusing our attention on a specific thing, which at higher levels is the ability to focus our attention even beyond the physical level to higher non-physical levels or even to different points in time as well as different points in space and pick up embedded information that is located in the energy fields there. That's my basic take. I think that's very good. It, it gives a beautiful uh, clarity to that. And, and it's a perspective I haven't heard from other people that I've talked to about information fields. But it makes me want to ask you a question because this is my own conception. 
and belief, and, and maybe you can either confirm it or correct me on it. I feel that when we have a specific intention, that we're not only generating an information field, but we're coming into sympathetic resonance with anything in the universe that already contains the same information. Is that a correct concept? I agree with that 100%. It's something that we see all the time for practical applications in biogeometry. This whole concept, one of the foundations of biogeometry when Dr. Kareem constructed it is called the physics of quality. And a key part of the physics of quality, rather than the physics of quantity, which is what standard science is about today. Physics of quality is about the fact that things of a similar energy quality will resonate together and they'll exchange energy and information between each other. And of course, the, the classic illustration of this is two tuning forks that are tuned to the same frequency. You strike one, it's now vibrating and resonating just by putting it close to, but not touching the other tuning fork, which has not been struck, it will begin to resonate uh, sympathetically as well. As well a piano so, or any stringed instrument. Exactly. And so we know that from physical phenomena, the sympathetic resonance is a real thing. We take that much further in biogeometry for all types of practical energy work in harmonizing and balancing the fields in the human body, in environments, home office, etc. And so this idea about the intentionality that you talk about, again, this is connected to what classically was the science of thought forms. So there's a whole vibrational world around us that has vibratory qualities at the chi, ki, prana, ether level, and then above that at the emotional, mental level, which we sometimes refer to as the astral. At those levels, it has an information field aspect to it. And so when we generate a thought form of any quality, that gets projected outside of us. And I really think that the human superpower is our ability to either, when we want to be receptive, to hold the mind completely clear and not generate any thought forms, which puts us in the best receptive state to pick up information, but then to have the capacity to do the exact opposite pole if we choose to, which is to then generate our own thought form through intentionality. And in the generation of that thought form, it can be projected and directed wherever we would like it to go. And again, like you say, all of this works according to sympathetic resonance. Things of a similar vibrational quality will resonate together. This is why people will get very different effects doing things like psychotropics. One person has a bad trip, one person has a great trip. Or in doing certain types of spiritual practices, one person connects to beings that may not be highly beneficial, another connects to extremely high divine beings. It has to do with the resonance that we're setting up. You know, we're going to get back the type of vibrational quality that we're sending out. Yes. Yeah. The, mi the, mirror, the mirror always gives you you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So. It's so important for if, if we're not happy with what we have in the world, we have to look at what we're sending out uh, for the quality of what we're getting back. Because often we'll complain about, you know, we're not meeting the people we want to meet, or we might not have the relationships that we would like, or we might not have whatever it is. But we have to look at, am I really giving out that quality of energy and information in my consciousness field? That's what I'm wanting to get back from the world around me. Or is it full of all these lower thought forms and negative emotions? And of course, that's like, again, metaphysics 101. Clean up your own stuff. If you want to get better stuff from the universe, you got to send out stuff of that same quality. 
You got to give it and then you get it. Yes. Love is a boomerang, I say. (laughs) The next question should be simple. Is radiesthesia the same as radionics? No, it's not. Uh, Radiesthesia, now they have some similar properties that they share. There's a Venn diagram for where they overlap. But radiesthesia is, again, based on the concept of being able to detect and direct subtle radiations that are too subtle to be picked up by electromagnetic equipment. Now, again, that's why Louis Turin, the radio wave engineer in France who developed the foundation of the spectrum of biological life force, he knew that with his physical metal boxes, he couldn't pick up these more subtle energies related to life force. He could only pick up the decayed energies in the electromagnetic spectrum. Nikola Tesla says something very similar. And so with this basic idea then, radiesthesia can use almost anything to pick up those subtle radiations. But the primary thing that's been developed over thousands of years, including ancient Egypt, is to use particular types of rods. And we see the old Egyptian priests shown with their rods, their staffs, yes, right? Yep. Then Moses was trained in the Egyptian temples. He had the rod, the rod of Aaron, and he could part the Red Sea and these types of things. So the rod is a part of this. And the rod acts like an antenna structure. And the other thing that you have is the pendulum. The pendulum is simply a device that can move freely. And so it can oscillate and move with the presence of energetic fields. Now, what I'm describing now is vibrational or physical radiesthesia, which is not mental dowsing. We're not programming the instrument to do something. We're not asking any mental questions. Instead, we tune the instrument to pick up these energy fields through the material that the rod or the pendulum is made of, through the shapes and the angles that are built into the pendulum or rod, where we hold the rod to tune the antenna, or where we calibrate the string length on the pendulum to tune the pendulum. These all have vibrational components that allow us to tune a pendulum to pick up any of the 12 bands in the vibrational spectrum of life energy or the energy of the center. So, of course, Dr. Kareem created his own specialized instruments. And so to pick up the energy of the center, the BG3 energy, the BG pendulum has to be constructed with the particular shapes that you have here, the particular numbers of disks, etc., to be able to detect that energy. And then we have other tools that allow you to detect the 12 bands. And so this allows you to actually tune it on a dial like a clock face to different angles, and those angles correlate to those energies. So classically, radiesthesia is connecting the rod or the pendulum tuned to a specific quality to your own energy field, and then picking up the presence or the absence of that energy. And then radionics in summary would be Well, radionics, yeah, so what I'm getting to there is that that's radiesthesia. Radionics is where you then try to put a tuning system for the energies into a metal box and then use the box to be a holder of those vibrations or to send them if you're doing like agricultural radionics and you're broadcasting a field with these energies. Now, Now, radionics can be done with a high level of integrity and with very beneficial results, to which I would point out things like the work of Ruth Drown, 
Ruth Drown. I'm familiar with. I've read uh, a number of books with her mentioned in it. Ruth Drown, like in the 1920s, did incredible work with this of a very high integrity level. And that uh, she used a Kabbalistic system based on the 10 sephiro that formed the structure in the human energy body that I talk about in my sacred geometry series on Gaia. Yes. And she could tune in all kinds of things, all kinds of remarkable healing and psychotherapy photos and all types of stuff with this. Now, you do have to be aware that once you start to put these types of vibrations through a box, and you have the box do what the human energy field used to do. Then you lose that skill. Well, number one, you're not developing the skill in your own energy field that you can do when you cross the gate of death. Because if you do it in your own energy field while you're here, you can do it out of your own energy field on the other side. If you rely on the box, you don't have a box on the other side, so it's not going to work. So you're missing something there. But there's another side of this. Back in the 1990s, I was very fortunate to spend a year living at the Claire Vision School of Australia, mm. which was taught by a French medical doctor named Samuel Sagan, who had uh, trained with the Babaji lineage uh, in the Himalayas. He was present in Badranath, India in the 1980s with the reappearance, some people say, of Babaji. And he was a French-English Sanskrit translator. Uh, but he learned a lot, and he's a very brilliant man, part of his own spiritual tradition from previous times. And so he started an initiation school in uh, Australia, which now has moved to the United States, called the Clair Vision School. I was their first instructor in North America in the late 90s. Anyway, a lot of good information, but at one time he was talking about, I want to give him credit for this, because whenever possible when I'm talking about a topic, I want to give credit to the people that people can go to to learn more about it, because, and not to say, oh, you got to come to me. I want to give credit where it's due because I learn from all kinds of people. Yeah, me too. So, so uh, one thing he said, he says, you know, one thing you got to be aware of with radionics, when you are putting these subtle energies through a metal box, you are interacting with a certain range of elemental beings that people normally never think of. We never think about the elementals that are associated with every electromagnetic device or with every natural thing. We're so materialistic that if we even think about elementals, it's like some little icing on our metaphysical cake that is not integral to what we're doing physically every day. So he said, if you make a metal box and you're using that to interface, the types of beings that you're interfacing with can end up being the types of beings that Rudolf Steiner referred to as aromonic elements. I was going to say, it sounds very aromonic coming up here. <laughs> and so you have to be familiar with Steiner's terminology of how he uses terms like luciferic or aromonic, but these are the types of beings that are very materialistic and they, they uh, sponsor materialism to an extreme level in human beings. And they seem to be very and, in love with uh, electrical technologies of all types. Oh, they love that stuff, absolutely. So you got to be very careful when you work with these electromagnetic energies. I'll tell you right now, so we don't forget it later, that when I use any electromagnetic healing technology, and I use a lot of them, and I think many of them are fantastic. I use the cymotherapy healing devices. I use the microcurrent devices. I had fantastic results. They're really great. I always add to them biogeometry forms that, that change the qualitative energy run on the current now, this is not something we describe in biogeometry, so I'll take responsibility for this. But if you associate it with these other traditions, that can change because it changes the vibrational quality of what's being carried on the carrier wave of electromagnetic energy. It changes what 
types of non-physical forces, or in this case, elemental beings, can piggyback on that wave. So if you're using radionics, I would recommend applying biogeometry corrections to it in a way that's going to clean up the energy, because otherwise you could end up with these types of uh, elemental beings that have had an aromonic, hardening, materialistic, somewhat corrupted influence if you're working in running the things through a metal box. So we don't use the metal box radionics thing in biogeometry. We do everything as an extension of our own energy field so that we're directly developing organs of perception to perceive these energies. And that's something that we integrate and can take with us into our future, however long that is, however many lifetimes or whatever your belief system is with that. Yes, whatever your information field is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the things that, that I... I remembered as you were talking about, because I've read a lot of books on these types of things, is that there was a book in one of the biodynamic farming. uh, It's a book on biodynamic farming with chapters by a lot of different authors. And one of them was an expert in radionics. But he talked about how in the beginning, when he was learning radionics, he made some mistakes and he described all the crazy things that started happening in his, on his farm. It's just wild stuff from, you know, weird insects coming to you know water problems to just like stuff and he realized that when he took the radionics out that everything normalized he realized that he had to figure out what he was causing because he didn't realize the ramifications of what he was doing the the next question i wanted to ask you is can i make a quick comment yeah yeah yeah. because that that, i think that's super important that if you just have a box and you start tuning it to these different esoteric frequencies then you better have a method of directly detecting the waves that you're generating and what the quality of the waves are. Most people don't have that, and including people in radionics. So they have like some ideas through trial and error, this does this and this does that, or this is my intent. But like you're saying, I appreciate people that are honest enough about it to say, hey, I made mistakes. Hey, this didn't go well. So I want to point again to the importance of Dr. Kareem's work in biogeometry, because Dr. Kareem doesn't have us work with any type of subtle energies for modification purposes or improving them until we know how to directly detect the exact quality of the energies that we're generating. Because if you don't have that, you could end up generating monsters. Yeah. And and so Dr. Kareem's system that he put together based on the French work and then moving forward into all of his own work and new advancements allow us to directly detect that we know exactly what kind of vibrational qualities are being generated by any activity we do in biogeometry to harmonize and benefit the energy fields of any person, place, or thing. And that's what's missing from a lot of stuff today. Yeah, and that brings up an important point. You know, you used a very interesting term. I know you use it as metaphor, but I think there's some real truth to it because as I've shared with you before, I'm clairvoyant and I also work with a lot of people that have had possessions and all sorts of stuff. So I'm looking into their subtle energy field and having studied Steiner a lot myself and understanding the aramonic concept, we've got a lot of very, very advanced, very dangerous technologies, especially things like satellites and, uh, you know, 5G cell towers all over the place, uh, you know, without listing them all military technologies. And these things are actually, in my opinion, generating these aramonic forces or these negative beings and i think they can be very involved in 
you know, as, as Arthur Furstenberg shows in his book, The Invisible Rainbow, every time they built a new radio tower of any size or a new radar tower, then there was a, a, a breakout of influenza. And they've, you know, so I'm, what I'm saying is a lot of people haven't made the connection that you're releasing these forces that have their own creative influences. But if you release a force with a negative creative influence relative to the biology and the harmony that has to be maintained to keep a human body functioning and healthy or any living organism in nature, then you can start getting a lot of problems such as forest dying, which happens and, um, you know, throwing hormones out of balance and, and every other thing you can imagine. So I think that's, uh, a very important reason to understand why using the the L90 or the biogeometry pendants or the home kit because there is so much invisible forces that people aren't even aware of that can severely affect health but the the biogeometry technology is is a I find it to be a very broad catch net I don't think there's too much that can escape for example the home kit would you agree yes absolutely so one of the things about the work Dr Kareem has developed here Again, because it's based on a foundation, we start teaching people from their very beginning in biogeometry to be able to directly detect the quality of energy that you're generating so that we know it's beneficial and not harmful. This doesn't hardly exist anywhere else, even in modern metaphysics today. And this becomes very dangerous. I often will go to a uh, various types of trade shows and people have their booths and they're selling different vibrational tools and things. I talk about this is the greatest vibrational tool. It'll fix your cell phone. It'll fix your house. It'll fix all this stuff. Cure your disease. Sometimes there are, yeah, exactly. It'll cure every disease ever, ever known to man. And then if I ask them, well, what, what principle is it based on? They don't know. They always just kind of smile. They always just smile and say, oh, well, that's proprietary. Yeah, of course. So first of all, first of all, they won't tell you. Dr. Kareem actually tells you all the principles that all of his forms are based on. He, he gives you the fishing pole and not just the fish. And that's something that almost nobody else is willing to do, to actually teach you the secrets of his work that's like almost unknown. And on top of it, teach you how he, you can directly evaluate, detect the subtle energies coming from it to know if his devices are working or if any other devices are working. Because for any device, including the biogeometry tools, if they become too impregnated with toxic energy from like strong electromagnetic fields or things, they will need to be cleared to start working again. And that's not just biogeometry tools. That's everything that exists in the physical plane. A lot of people say, oh, my tools never impregnate. And I'm here to say, that's telling me you don't really know what you're talking about. You try and tell me if I put it inside of a nuclear, a nuclear accelerator <laughs> yeah. that it's not going to get impregnated. That's total BS. Yes. You don't, you don't, if you don't know where the boundaries of your own technology are, you don't understand the technology. So. It's very common that I find people with these things, and sometimes the things are saying, I say, oh, feel the energy from this. And yeah, you can feel the energy from it, but one reason you can feel the energy from it is that energy is not good. Now, it will, it will activate your energy for a short period of time. You'll feel more energetic, the same way as if I went up to you and I kind of like slammed my hands all over your chest for a while. I say, hey, you feel the energy? You say, yeah, but is that actually beneficial? Over time, maybe not. So... This ability to actually be able to detect what these things are giving out. I found people selling devices are supposed to harmonize your home and things that have terrible energies. I mean, really destructive. Yeah. I often talk about this in terms of the work that I do with 
minerals and crystals. I'm a, I love minerals and crystals. I think there's a whole science behind their use in the ancient world. There's a reason why the, the high priest in the Temple of Solomon had to wear a certain breastplate yep. with certain stones to enter into the Holy of Holies. This stuff is a science. And in my online crystal classes, I do my best to describe what the science is and how you can work with it. But there's a whole thing here with this where today, to make the stones look more attractive, they're irradiating the stones with nuclear radiation or applying a lot of electrical heating to it, one or the other. And particularly for those that are artificially irradiated, which is more and more stuff today, including a lot of stuff from Brazil. And food. Gets irradiated. <laughs> yeah. But the stones from Brazil, many of them are now being irradiated at the moment they leave the mine. Yeah. They have the, the irradiation centers right outside the mine. So, and that will improve their color. And people say, oh, this stone is supposed to help my love life or it's supposed to help my energy or whatever it is. And maybe it could if it was the natural stone. But now it's actually a receptacle for highly toxic energy. Some of these stones have to be put into cold storage for a certain number of months so they get low enough on a Geiger counter to be able to sell them publicly. Oh, I didn't know people that. Have no, people have no idea that these stones are being so heavily irradiated or electrically heated. It destroys their beneficial qualities. Yeah, that's very interesting. Well, you know, you you brought up something about clearing and, and, and um, you know, how objects can accumulate um, chaotic energies. And one of the things I teach select students that I'm doing advanced work with, I use a big piece of obsidian and I've, I can actually pull entities right out of people's bodies with it. And I've shown people, I say, okay, here's, here's what I want you to do. So I'll have someone on the table that I know is carrying one or more entities. And sometimes I've seen people with, you know, 40 or 50 or 60 entities in them. And, um, I'll say, feel this. Now I want you to take this and I show them what to do with the stone. And I say, now tell me what that stone, how does it feel different? And I've, I don't think I've met anybody that I've worked with that couldn't, that, it, that didn't immediately say to me, it feels heavier. I actually can feel a perceptible change in the weight of the stone I'm using to pull stuff out of people's bodies. And that's how I know it needs to be cleared because it actually gains enough. You know, I don't know if it would work on a scale, but you know, there is what I call psychic weight. Yes, I, I understand. Yeah. And I can perceive that weight and I can tell whether I'm pulling stuff out of them because the tool that I'm using literally gains this weight, I will call it. So I'm making the point that stones can definitely get clogged up with dark energy. I'm totally with you. And I myself also use and teach the use of obsidian to be able to absorb toxic energies. It's a fantastic stone to absorb toxic energies into it. But then those energies have to be cleared from it. And so what we would use in, from a biogeometry perspective is we would detect a certain very toxic wave that we teach people how to detect from the band system, which is the vertical wave of negative green. And that you can, so often or so people, here's the obsidian, it's completely clear now, there's no vertical negative green on it. Then you do this particular practice to pull the toxic energy out of a person, place, or thing. Then say, now retest it. And you get a helicopter spin. It's full of vertical negative green. And, and it needs to be cleared. The problem with uh, the irradiation and the artificial heating of stones is now so huge that people really need to be aware of this. And I even created my own website called uh, purecrystal.com, P-U-R crystal.com, where I 
I've gotten to the point that I do vibrational testing on all the stones that I carry, and I created my own system based on the French work to be able to detect the markers for artificial heating and artificial irradiation. So I only purchase and then sell through the website the stones that are clear of these markers because it's so prevalent today. But this is where the biogeometry is so important. The biogeometry will teach people how to be able to detect the energy coming from the stone, the person, whatever. Is it clear or not clear? You can detect it and see. Uh, is this thing I'm about to spend $1,000 for this stone? Is it a stone that's been so heavily irradiated it'd be super toxic for me to wear? You can test that and see. So I, I think this is like a really important part of this. So you started by asking about that the, bi the biogeometry tools can be used in a location to help to clear them, and it's beneficial on all levels. That's something I think is very, very important. Using the training, you can test biogeometry tools or tools from another maker to see how effective they are. And then in the advanced biogeometry training, we just see how to detect the energy on all the different plane levels. Not only all seven plane levels, but on all the subplanes of the planes. So we can do like an energetic x-ray and see just where there's a disturbance. And there's all kinds of different methods to help to clear that in biogeometry. But the whole thing here is that Dr. Kroon is the only person I know that in addition to teaching you a highly effective selling you a highly effective energetic tool that clears things on multiple planes and multiple levels will actually insist on teaching you how you can test for yourself for the rest of your life, his tools or any other tools to make sure they're effective. And it's not just a claim being made. Right. Yeah, it's, it's good. My wife, Angie is an, an advanced biogeometry practitioner and she, she's about to enter into training to be an instructor so we can actually teach biogeometry through the, Czech Institute as part of the curriculum, because once yes. I learned about biogeometry and saw how effective it is, I immediately got a hold of our CEO and said, we have got to put this in our program and reached out to Dr. Kareem. And he was very supportive of that because he too wants it to be taught to as many people as possible. Hi, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show. As you know, the season has changed and we have a shift to colder, wetter weather creating yet another stress factor for our natural immunity. We all know the world has been buzzing with confusion and insecurity around issues of the world and what threat or game we'll have to deal with next, and such issues always bring family debate and challenge right along with them, as COVID exemplified so well. But many learn the hard way that caring for their immune system needs to be primary in their life, and the effort it takes to nourish one's immune system is far less than the challenges of being so caught up in the rat race that you don't have time to do so. If you listen to my podcast with any regularity, follow my teachings, or have my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, you know for sure I'm not a pill guy. Food is man's best medicine, as Hippocrates informed us long ago, and that's what I love about Organifi's certified organic products. They are not isolates. They do not contain synthetic ingredients, and they don't even have glyphosate residues. Thank God for that. That's why I feel assured that recommending Organifi immunity to you is a way to allow you to use real organic food ingredients as natural immune support. And Organifi immunity is something that my own family enjoys and benefits from. So naturally, I want to share these benefits with you. Some of the key benefits of Organifi immunity are it is 100% USDA certified organic, contains organic clinically researched beta-glucans, it has a delicious orange blend with low sugar. It bolsters immune response for everyday support. It offers antiviral, antifungal, and antimicrobial support. 
Each serving contains 500% of your daily vitamin C from organic acerola cherries, which are an excellent source of whole food vitamin C. Offers immune-boosting ginger and turmeric and contains natural food-based sources of zinc, which also support your immune system. For additional support and rapid response, you can benefit from Organifi Critical Immune. Organifi Critical Immune is a convenient encapsulated blend of potent organic herbs designed to take for immediate onset of acute illness, such as a cold or flu, featuring Chinese herbal superstars such as Andrographis and Astralagus root. Some of the key benefits of Organifi Critical Immune are it bolsters the immune system for acute immune support, antiviral and antimicrobial support. It's designed for short-term use and contains four potent certified organic standardized herbal extracts that have been effectively used for thousands of years to support immune system function worldwide. Organifi Critical Immune is easy and convenient to take. To support your immune system, your family's immune system, and protect your health freedom, take advantage of our special Living 4D discount offer and get 20% off now by going to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash check 20 and save 20% on your purchase using the code check 20 at checkout. And remember to spell check capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K 20 to get your 20% discount. Not only will you be giving yourself wholesome organic immune support with both of these products, but you will be adding nutrient variety to your diet, which is always an important means of giving your body the nutrition it needs to support you in ever-changing environments and having long-term health and freedom. Additionally, kids love Organifi products because they are full of nutrition that tastes good. Enjoy. The next question I wanted to ask is, I've studied not a lot, but enough to get a basic understanding, sonic geometry. I just wanted to ask you, how does sonic geometry fit into everything we've been discussing so far? For me, it's one of the most important topics. It's one that often when I give public presentations, it's what I I really feature in my slideshows and things. To be able to show people that these invisible waves of sound structure all of matter. And so this is the field of cymatics. And so I've worked with people in the cymatics field now for decades. And I also work with uh, Mandara Cromwell, who's the person who is the leader of cymotherapy, how to apply the cymatic sound waves in complex sound codes, a method developed by Dr. Peter Guy Manners in Britain in the mid-1900s, but now moved up to a higher level of technology. So what you see in cymatics which was developed by a Swiss medical doctor who was a student of Rudolf Steiner's back around Hans Jenny, Hans Hans Jenny in early 1900s, was that they started out with like Kaladni plates in which you'd have like just like a metal plate that would have powder on it. And you draw like a violin bow across the side of it. And according to the note you created, it would immediately form up the amorphous mass of powder into a very specific geometric mandala. And now we can do it like Pangeni did. He would use pastes and gels and liquids. And you could see that whenever you get this invisible wave of sound, it will immediately structure the physical matter. And one reason that he did this, because he was a student of Rudolf Steiner's, is to show people the existence of etheric formative forces. This is the same idea as I've described before about the sacred geometry energy fields, which are the wave aspect that then collapse to the particle. 
It's the waves that actually construct the form of the human physical body that give it its form. And so with the sonic waves, this can be taken very, very far, but it shows people visually in a very immediate way, change the sound vibration in an invisible wave, and it will immediately change the physical structure of what's being impacted by the wave. It shows people visually how invisible waves actually create all form and all energy patterns. Then you've got the aspect where once they discovered what these different vibrational sounds do in creating these structures, as I mentioned, a British osteopath named Dr. Peter Guy Manners in the mid-1900s created a system at his clinic outside of London where he could apply complex sound codes. And one of the fascinating things about the cymotherapy sound codes is he found that his goal was to be able to restore the core resonant frequency in the organs of the body, connective tissues, energy field, everything. And so what he found is that using just one sound alone was not sufficient, two was not sufficient, three was not sufficient, four was not sufficient. It required a combination of five precise sound frequencies together in a set to be able to fully restore the resonant frequency and function of any part of the human body and energy field. This was called the secret of five, and it was not released publicly for, I think, like 50 years of his work. It was just a secret of his work. But the secret of five is very important, bringing together those different frequencies into a sound complex code. And he also found that to get that full resonating ability in the body, it's not enough just to hear it. Those complex sound codes need to be driven directly into the tissue of the body through a transducer. Anyway, that work was handed off to my friend, uh, Mandara Cromwell, who develops the modern cymotherapy units and just developed a brand new generation of those units that I have free articles about this on my website if people want to check out. But cymatics is the perfect illustration of how invisible waves structure all physical matter and are the foundation of all life and existence. And cymotherapy is the healing application of that in extremely advanced forms. And again, there's articles about that on my website. Yeah, and just for people that are interested in that, I do have a podcast with John Stuart Reed, who's one of the yes. leading pioneers in that in our world today. And uh, I actually have one of his devices. I, I bought it for my own joy, but so I could show the kids what happens when sound effects matter. And I, you know, used it to show them. And, and uh, it's got a, a voice application so you can speak into a microphone and see how your voice actually creates geometric patterns and how if you change your voice, you change the pattern. Because I wanted my children to be aware of that. Um, yeah, that that th these. I'm glad I asked you those questions because those are all things that I I wanted to see how it fits into the overarching model of everything you're describing, and it is also good for me because it helps give me some clarification. Um, we we were going to extend a little bit on the previous discussion, and I want to make sure that you had a chance to to cover that. It says, "What are some of the unifying principles within both religion and esoteric thought?" Patterns of creation equal sacred geometry. Practices in religion and esoteric traditions have the hidden key of structuring the subtle bodies, which affects our energy consciousness and spiritual destiny. We've touched on that, but is there anything you want to add on that? Yes, please. I'm glad you brought that up. So I often talk about the way, and I do as well in the Gaia series, but I can only present so much in the time of the series, that one of the great lost secrets of all spiritual development, of all personal development, 
is the concept of structuring the subtle bodies. This was something I was really exposed to through the work of Dr. Samuel Sagan at the Clear Vision School in Sydney, Australia. And it really put me on a really good path back in the 90s for this. So the idea of this is that our energy bodies, our subtle energy, has a particular structure to it. Very advanced spiritual teachers will sometimes develop the capacity to perceive the subtle energy structures in the bodies of their students. Because all of our karmic history, everything we've done in the past, whether in this lifetime or earlier lifetimes, all of that collapses into specific structures in our energy field. That means that our energy field is geometrically structured. There's a sacred geometry to every person's energy field as a unique structure in the universe, because they're all structured slightly differently. There's commonalities between them all. We all have the seven chakras and acupuncture points and all that. But which of those are really active in our field? Which of those are really uh, sedated or dormant? Which of these are properly formed and which of these are distorted? Which of the links between the centers are operating or are not operating? This creates different sacred geometry patterns in the energy field. For someone who's very advanced in this as a spiritual teacher, they might even be able to see what spiritual traditions a person trained with earlier in this life or another life, because the practices you learn from any spiritual tradition invisibly structure the energy in your field, even though mm. that's rarely discussed. Often the people in the tradition don't even know that. This is like a very advanced level, but it's something that's also so fundamental. Everyone should be aware of this. The only thing you take with you through the gate of death is the structure of your energy field. So that's the pearl of great price. You've structured your energy field into a particular geometric pattern through everything you've thought, everything you've felt, every action you've taken, thinking, feeling, and willing, like Steiner says. Yeah. Thought, speech, and action, like the Buddhists say. So all of that creates a force. If I have a detrimental thought and I keep reinforcing it, that'll start changing a pattern in my energy body. I have a highly beneficial internal emotional state. That starts structuring something in my energy body. Every single action we take, including thoughts and feelings, structures our energy field through repetition. And that is the most important thing that we need to be aware of. And it also, once you know that, it opens up into all these other areas. So, for example, when you are, as I mentioned before, training with a particular tradition, all of the practices of that tradition are meant to structure your energy body into a particular form that gives you particular siddhas or particular powers, as they describe in the Hamalias. But you will develop different siddhas and different structures in your energy body based on what practices you choose to do. So the blessing and the curse of modern metaphysics, as I often talk about, is that the blessing is that we're exposed now to an incredible wealth of amazing information and practices from traditions where this stuff was incredibly hidden before, like that incredibly advanced internal alchemy uh, practices coming from the Chinese Taoists. Until 30 years ago, you couldn't even access that stuff hardly. And now there's like almost so many deep parts of it are available to us. But that's the blessing. The curse is people don't have the structural ability to put the fragments coming from all these traditions into a workable form. That's why when they learn this, they have to understand how to structure their practices in such a way that the structures of the energy body actually become something that optimizes this incarnation. So 
you can take with you all of these new improvements, these new organs of spiritual perception in the subtle body. So I can connect to that another one of the questions coming up, which naturally follows on this, which is in my, just as I have an introductory course for the vibrational testing and healing, which is the personal wavelength course, where you learn what the French call medical radiesthesia, I have an introductory course for the spiritual science track on my website for the Vesca Institute. And it's a course called Essential Teachings and Practices on Spiritual Science. And in Essential Teachings and Practices, I cover a lot of things that are absolutely essential that aren't even being discussed anymore, that people don't even have on their radar, including this concept of structuring the energy field, about being able to develop both receptive and active forms of meditation. Both must be equally developed, whereas many schools will only develop one of the two. But a major part of it is that I teach what Steiner called the six basic exercises, and I call the six essential exercises. Now, we have to be aware different traditions will structure energy field in different ways. Some will really hyper-structure the fields around the head, some will structure it around the heart, some will structure it around the abdomen. But the issue around all of this that Steiner was aware of and the European Rosicrucians found a solution to is that our entire body of energy has to have an organizing center, like the point in the center of the circle. If you don't have an organizing center for any energy field, it becomes chaotic and it can become destructive. There must always be an organizing, balancing, harmonizing center. That's the whole point of biogeometry. With, with that, uh, see, I've studied what's called the assemblage point for balancing people's energies field. Are you familiar with the assemblage point? Absolutely. W- would you consider that to be an organizing center? I can clarify that after I get through this next point. Sure. And then yeah. assemblage point will follow on naturally from it. So what you, what Steiner actually described was a series of six exercises in which you observe the content of your thinking, your feeling, your willing, and then you start developing other capacities in your internal life. And so in the Central Thesis Practices course, I go into detail on each of the six practices. And then I expand it beyond what Steiner talked about, because Steiner gave out somewhat of the receptive aspect of the observation of these faculties inside of us. But you need to add to it the active side. So I describe both sides of it as the six essential exercises. So what Steiner made clear is that although it might appear that these are just kind of general exercises with your thinking and your feeling and your willing, that what it actually does is each of the six exercises developing one of the 12 lotus petals of the 12th petal lotus of the human heart. And so six of them, he said, were already developed by us in previous ages, previous lifetimes. But we have six that must be developed in our current time. If we can develop those six other lotus petals on the 12th petal lotus of the heart, that will allow the entire heart to become active as an organizing center for the entire body of energy. And Mm. until you develop that organizing center, then all the other practices you do don't have a place to coordinate. They're just kind of like this thing and that thing and some Jenga tower. And so the six, the six essential exercises, the hidden part of it is that it's structuring your energy field to activate the heart center and create an organizing center for all of the flows. Now, what the assemblage point is, is a, a teaching that was popularized by Carlos Castaneda, uh, apparently from his teachers, but also appears in some other traditions. So there are some teachers from the Native American tradition, Harley Swift deer, 
There's some other people that teach this sort of thing. But the basic idea of it is it's talking about the uh, straight line energy axis that the human heart, we know it's a chakra, and some people aren't aware that that chakra is actually front and back. There's a front chakra and a back chakra. And it comes together at a nodal point in the center where the chakra in the center of the body is actually on that string of the central axis from the crown of the perineum we talked about before. That central axis in the center of the body is the key that holds together all of the chakras on a front-to-back axis. And so what the assemblage point is, is a line of energy that runs through the heart front and back. This work was developed further by John Whale in Britain, who wrote a couple of books about this, like The Catalyst of Power. I think I've studied those books. That's that's that that rings a bell. I, I read uh, one or two books and then began testing it clinically and working with it and definitely found people whose assemblage points were all over the place. And so what he's doing is he's looking at the assemblage point that needs to be properly balanced. This is a geometric mystery. He doesn't know about it. He doesn't talk about the central axis that's connected to this, but he does know about the line going through the heart. But these two have to be at a 90 degree angle as part of a, uh, a greater divine geometry that our energy bodies are based on. So he shows the way, very accurately, I think, that if your energy axis running through the front heart and the back heart as a line of energy, a horizontal axis of energy in your energy body, if it starts to move up this way, it can become manic states. If it starts yes. to move down this way, it can become depressive states. Yep. And, and a whole bunch of other variations thereby based on where it's being deflected to. Very, I think that's super important work. It helps to show the power of where these energies in the structure of the human energy field that we've been talking about, how powerful they are in affecting our thoughts and our feelings, and our ability to even incarnate fully. Uh, but the thing about it is that we should be aware that they're focusing on the assemblage point that's running as a horizontal axis of energy through the front back heart chakra. And that's very important because like Steiner talked about, the heart chakra is the balancing center. And so that's like a, a key place that has to be activated first to organize every, everything else in your energy field. But what they don't tend to talk about is that that same assemblage point axis is present on all the chakras. Mm. So you could actually look at the crown perineum axis as an assemblage point, but one that's vertical and the most important one running through the center of your body. But there's another one at the third eye center. There's another one at the throat. There's another one at the solar plexus. There's a series of these. And if any of those get displaced, and usually they're all over the place, then just like at the heart, it can create manic or depressive states, etc., the way John Whale's books like Catalyst of Power describe. If these other energy axes at the other chakras are off, it'll create other types of distortions and problems in those fields as well. Yeah, very good. It's it's very important information. And I I, I felt compelled to ask you about that just to see what the correlation between the assemblage point is and what you were talking about uh, at that time. And I did study that and practice it clinically long enough to see, A, could I see it as a viable concept clinically? And B, could I do something with it? And I definitely found that it was viable and that I could find where the disturbed assemblage point was. I could move it based on the techniques that he gave in the book. So. Uh, it was it just, I'm, I'm just glad that I asked you that so you could give more clarity on that. Yeah, one other quick point with that is that when I constructed the Gaia uh, TV series on sacred geometry, 
I was looking at what are some of the most important patterns people should know because they exist all over the place in the human energy field and in the cosmos, and they all have certain functions. So in the uh, one of the first episodes, I give a practice based on the cubicle cross because what is the physical world based on? It's based on a three-axis cross. Every part of it is at 90 degrees to the other. So if you hold your fingers like this, like in electrical engineering, it shows you the three axes of space. And so it's front, back, side to side, top down. That becomes the framework for constructing a physical body in a three-dimensional world. And I teach people a hidden method for activating the front, back, along the third eye center, the side to side, going through the same central point, and then the top down from the central axis. That creates a three-axis cross that goes through the cave of Brahma, the third ventricle of the brain, and it stabilizes the activity or the activation of the fields in the head. And that's why I felt it was important to teach people then in detail the six essential exercises from Steiner to activate the heart as the whole organizing center in the Essential Teachings and Practices of Spiritual Science online course, which we're also offering a discount for the people in your uh, listenership too. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. It's the same code too, Paul 75, isn't it? That's right, yes. Yeah. And so if you can't spell Paul, you want to understand the course. That's the, <laughs> that's, that's the, uh, the new rule. Um, uh, very, very amazing stuff. Uh, you know, I can tell already this is a podcast people are going to need to listen to two or three times and take notes to digest it. But the, the thing I love about what you're sharing is that you do have these courses that take people step by step through these things. And I can't recommend enough your your Gaia TV series on sacred geometry because it's, you know, I've studied a lot of stuff and I found myself, not only was I fascinated with your course, but a lot of the things that I'd studied, you were able to actually take me deeper because I could actually see what is hard to see when you're studying deep concepts in a book and I'm left to my own visualizations. And there's not too many people that I can talk to like you that have enough depth in multiple fields because I have studied a lot of fields and practice in a lot of fields. So I talk to people that might be an expert in sacred geometry, written a book, but they don't know anything about health or or chakra systems or whatever. So I get this sort of like monochromatic view. And that's one of the beautiful things that I think you offer anybody that's a student of yours or even watches your show is, is this really holistic, integrated approach to understanding all these things. I mean, if you were to take a list of everything we've talked about, we've probably covered about 12 different fields of study already. Did you want to say something? Oh, I, I really appreciate that so much. That really is what I, when I created the Vesk Institute, the goal was to be able to create something that unified different advanced topics together so you could see how they interrelate. That's one of the things that I really emphasize in the trainings that all of these things relate to everything else. And I think that's one of the strengths of the Vesk Institute work is being able to bring in the connections, the hidden connections between these bodies of work that I think is, uh, is so absolutely vital. And working with that, there's a way to be able to uh, explore topics that people can save a tremendous amount of time if they're presented the information in a very clear, concise form, yeah. I, th I think it's a, it's, it, it sounds like hyperbole, but I have seen that it can be like a hundred times time accelerator. Oh, absolutely. To go out and find the different books and then study all those, try to figure that out. Then how does that relate to this? 
we do our best to accelerate that process tremendously for people while still keeping them free so that they see how the different topics relate together. And if I could, because I, I really appreciate who you are, I really appreciate the level that your podcast is on. I want to just say for a moment, what's the deeper inspiration behind this, which I don't usually talk about because it just gets a little too deep, but I think it's significant. In the work of Rudolf Steiner and the European Rosicrucians, they talk about there being various ages. And so in the West, just like they have the Yugas in India, they have seven archangelic ages. Mm-hmm. We're currently in an age of Archangel Mikael. Mikael is considered to be the highest of the archangels in the Western system and in Steiner's work and the Rosicrucians. And in this Mikaelic age, we have to accomplish a particular thing. And if we ever fail to accomplish the spirit of that age, what the point of that age is, the zeitgeist, time spirit, things will go straight to hell. It's going to go catastrophic. So the spirit of this age is for the Mikaelic influence, for what Steiner calls the cosmic intelligence. He describes Mikael as being the regent of the cosmic intelligence. Mikael understands how the universal gnosis, the universal knowledge, broke up and was scattered across the surface of the earth, where some pieces of knowledge went to the Himalayas, some pieces went to China and the Taoists, some pieces went to Egypt, some pieces went to South America, etc. And so this Mikaelic age, the meaning of it, is for us to be able to unify the wisdom knowledge from all these traditions into a new unified spiritual science. That's critical. I'm I'm glad you're doing that. And you know, it's to 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 be honest with you, I think anybody that studies what I teach knows that's exactly what I do. I've just taken different avenues than you. Yeah. But I've really tried to to show people how everything from the soil, the food you eat, the way you breathe, the way you move, the way you think, what you believe in, what your spiritual practices are, and the energetic construction of the psyche and the body are all integrated. And that this is why I teach six foundation principles, nutrition, hydration, sleep, breathing, thinking, and movement. Because if you don't have those six practices, at least at a basic level of operational function, you're going to spend your whole life running around from doctor to doctor and therapist to therapist, ultimately spending a ton of money on things that are really the side effects of not having a basic understanding of what a human body is and how it and, and why you're even here and like what are we here for? So it's interesting because both of us have the same mission in our life, but we've covered different ways, similar things, but in different ways. And you're really like way up in the, the, the depth of the subtle energy, the intentionality, like what, what were they trying to teach us? And I'm more, here's how you take this stuff and, and do something about it every day. But I could say my students would be really great for you because they already have all the things in place to know how to get their body and their mind in shape to be able to handle really maximizing on a guy like you. And I think that's a beautiful combination. I really appreciate that so much. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And I really feel that we're both working out of the same spiritual impulse very, very strongly. One thing that I found very inspirational, and hopefully some of your listeners may find inspirational as well, is when Steiner gave out this incredible range of deep esoteric knowledge that had never been made public before in the early 1900s. It was really an encyclopedia of previously hidden 
spiritual information that if you were to collect all of his lectures and written books together, it's over 350 volumes. I have 175 of them. (laughs) It's an incredible body of knowledge that he gave out. But in his private initiation circles that he ran an initiation school at one time in Europe, he said, the information I'm giving out now is not actually for us right now. It's for the people at the turn of the century. At the turn of the century, they're going to have some of the most difficult situations that have ever existed on the planet, and they're going to be extremely difficult to figure out. To be able to differentiate the Christic from the Luciferic, from the Aramonic forces, will be extremely difficult, even for advanced initiates. So he pointed out that it's that time at the turn of the century, this is referred to as the the Michael or Mikael prophecy around Steiner's work. He said there's going to be the greatest mass incarnation of human initiates in human history. They're all going to come at the same time at the end of the century. That's what this information is for at that time then. And so for those of us that really feel that impulse and feel that we're connected to it, I do feel that for you and for me and for the other people in our spiritual service, sure. spiritual purpose, we have incarnated at this time, the signers indicate. There's a reason why both you and I are teaching these things along these Mikaelic paths at this particular time. And if we understand the moment in time we're living in and how critical it is, then it really shows how important it is for people to understand this work and why you and I have devoted our lives to being able to get out this larger, comprehensive cosmic intelligence that Steiner was referring to as the essential need of this time. And, and, and that's the motive behind my podcast is, you know, not everybody can afford to go through the kind of training I offer. And uh, though I, you know, I have over 750 videos on YouTube and I give as much as I can away for free, but to, sure. To really be trained, you you know, I have a four-year academy, and, and it, so it's designed to teach people how to go out and really be effective in the world. But uh, the, the the when you say the turn of the century, did you mean around the year two thousand? Yes, that's what Steiner was referring to. He said, "I'm giving this out in the early early nineteen uh, hundreds, but it's at the turn of the century, around the year two thousand, and, and immediately afterwards." that this big crunch is going to come and all these great initiates are coming at the same time to incarnate on the earth at the same time. But that's the good side of it. The bad side of it is they're all coming here because there's a huge challenge and danger at this time. Yeah, I think we're already seeing that. I mean, if anybody's, I mean, anybody that's got a phone should know what the hell that's (laughs) all about. Hi, everybody. I know that you're all aware of the importance of vitamin C. There is a mountain of research on it, but not all C is created equally. I love Paleo Valley's Essential C Complex because it is the real deal, bioavailable. And I wanted you to hear right from Autumn Smith, founder of Paleo Valley, why their Essential C Complex is so unique and something you definitely want for your family and your children. Autumn, tell us about your Essential C Complex. Well, I was shocked to learn as a holistic nutritionist that 90%, over 90% of the vitamin C on the market is derived from genetically modified corn, and then it's processed with highly volatile acids. And so I knew I had to find a better way to get all of the powerful benefits of vitamin C. So what I did was I dove into the research and I found the three most vitamin C-rich superfoods on the planet. That's unripe acerola cherry and camu camu and omla berry. And then I just packed them into capsules. And the benefits are amazing because 
because you're not only getting vitamin C, but all of the other wonderful benefits that come from these amazing superfoods. So to get access to this complex, all you have to do is go to paleovalley.com and you can use the code CHECK15 at checkout. That's lowercase c-h-e-k-15 and you can save 15% off. One other thing before we moved on is we were talking about all the subtle energy bodies, causal, higher mental, lower, astral, etheric. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have the, the, all the chakras interpending, they're trading the body. You've got the nadis. Um, my research and my work for years with water has led me to feel that water is actually the key interface for those subtle energies so that they actually penetrate and resonate with the biological structures of the body. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely essential. So I think it's clear from many classical traditions that water is the receptor for biological life, for all of the higher frequencies and information, and for the vital life force itself. When something dehydrates, it loses the vital life force. The etheric life energy can only be held in the body in the presence of water. So water is the receptacle of this. And so water is absolutely essential. The quality of water we drink, if you can only like change one thing and what you're taking in, change the quality of your water from like a contaminated tap water full of people's old pharmaceutical residues and fluoride and toxic chemicals into water that actually nourishes you at a cellular level. That's incredibly important. But we really have to understand that that becomes the receptor for the life energy to be held in the physical body. And it's extremely interesting, the work of Marcel Vogel. Marcel I've studied Vogel, it, yeah. I love that guy. When I was able I've to got, train with him. I've got a 80s. Vogel cut crystal here that I paid a lot of money for, and I use it for it, healing work. It's fantastic. So Vogel understood that the water at the level of moving from the plasma to the gas to the liquid to the physical that the water state as a universal receptor for this on the liquid state, when it concretizes into physical matter, it becomes clear quartz. And it was mm-hmm. understood by many classical traditions, including some Native American tribes, that that's what clear quartz crystal is. It's like a condensed physical crystallization. analog of water. It is. And that's why Marcel Vogel required his... Uh, Vogel crystals, when he tests them on a radionics device, that they would have the same frequency as water, but now crystallized into a physical form. And so this is a really fascinating thing having to do with how higher energies have to have a receptacle. That receptacle is geometric forms, and that receptacle is specific materials, including water, quartz, etc. And so that's another huge secret, a huge key of how these energetic things work. Yeah. I actually, my soul taught me how to build water chargers, and I've been teaching classes on how to do it. I, bu- I build them out of stone, and it's more than I can get into in a minute. But I want to send you pictures of yes. my last water charger I built. Please do. It's interesting because, you know, as I said, Angie is a advanced practitioner of biogeometry, and she's done our whole property. But when I finished building the water charger, when we moved here in our new house a couple of years ago, it took me three months to build it. it. You can get about 25 or 30 people inside and use it as a chanting, a resonant chamber for chanting and toning. 
Wow. But I, I had her come measure the BG3 on it. And, you know, I do all this through my internal, my soul guides me. And she, when she measured it, she was shocked. She said, look at this. The, the pendulum was swinging so hard. She said she'd never, ever seen anything like that in her life. And it, it's also wow. interesting, too, because out of curiosity, I've sent uh, two or three of my paintings to Doria Kareem. And I said, you know, I, when I paint, I paint from my center and I let my soul guide everything. I'm curious, what, what do you measure coming off of these? And she said, there is a lot of BG3 coming off of your paintings. Um, yeah. So the only reason I'm saying that is just so that people understand one thing. And that is that through practicing the teachings with instructors like you, you can actually learn to become internally sensitive to these subtle energies. Like I can feel BG3. Mm-hmm. Yes. I can object rotate things perfectly and Angie can check them and they're right because I've learned to feel these energies, which I think is part of what happens when you have a committed spiritual practice and you take care of yourself. I don't think you're doing anything extraordinary. I think what's happening is you're actually tuning into the natural abilities that we're all here with. Absolutely. And just to amplify of what you're saying there, we were talking about water and then the quartz and that when you created this large water charging form, you were able to get people inside of it, massive BG3. One of the things that we teach in biogeometry, as far as the ancient science of harmonizing energy and landscapes that then harmonize the people in the landscape, is that that's what they used in the ancient world. They would use the quartz-bearing stones as menhirs on a power spot or as dolmens to create a flow of BG3 through the quartz-bearing dolmen or to create the stones in a stone circle as a way to amplify and spread the energy of the power spot. And that was with the quartz crystal. But they would also build these structures over underground water because it's the water acts like a liquid crystal amplifier. So the use of the quartz and the use of water were both integrated in the ancient world as liquid crystal or physical crystal amplifiers and directors of the energy. So what you're doing when you say, my soul taught me how to do this, it really shows me a karmic connection to this classic knowledge and these ways of working, which again shows what you're connected to with what you're bringing forward. So I really appreciate that about you. Yeah, you know, it was really interesting. It was about 2006 and I had, I won't tell you the story of how it happened because that'll take time. We need to get into the other stuff, but I had bought uh, a, a couple of dump truck loads worth of stones specifically to create things out of and to build stone towers and to build um, mandalas out of stone because I really, at that time in my life, needed to get out of the gym and get into nature and get more sunlight. And, and I needed to express my create my creative impulse in ways that I could mix art with exercise because I was so busy I didn't have time to paint without missing exercise or exercise without missing art so I said I'm going to merge these two together and I'm out there and I I always let my soul guide everything so I can practice in an area where I can really learn to differentiate the ego from the soul because you know the worst thing that happens with this pile of rocks is they fall over and it's just rocks. But if you make the wrong decision with an investment or something important, like what I'm going to do to help somebody with their psychological crisis or something, that's not good. So I, I put myself in an environment where I could actually really refine my capacity for soul connection 
in a way that wouldn't hurt anybody if I made a mistakes or hurt me. And so all of a sudden one day my soul says inside of me, I want to teach you how to build water chargers. It's time for you to start building water chargers and teaching people. Now I've studied water for years. So like I immediately understood the concept of charging water. I understand from Schauberger's work, how artesian wells are created, the functions of the earth. So it wasn't a, a concept like a water charger. What are you talking about? Like, okay, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> and so I remember building the first one and I thought, okay, I'm going to test this. And I got a plastic bottle, just a standard like quart bottle that you'd buy for water at the store, like an Avion bottle. It was an Avion bottle, a liter and a half. I filled it with tap water. Then I took a bottle that had Avion. Then I took our really high quality drinking water that I get from an artesian well at Palomar Mountain. I put, and it hadn't been charged. And I put another, another bottle of that water in the charger. And so then I charged it for a couple of days and then I compared them. And the craziest thing was the tap water no longer smelled like chlorine and it had this incredibly high vibration energy coming off of it. The artesian well water was now even more powerful. And I'm like, wow, that is bloody amazing. And so then my soul showed me how to use crystals and gemstones to fine tune it so that I could change the structure and the taste and the effect of the water on a person's body. And then my soul taught me how to follow the moon cycle so I could see how each day when the moon changed position, the energy of the water was different. And I could apply that to different health conditions based on the vibration that the moon was generating in the water. So it was just this most amazing thing. And I'm bringing that up just to, to share that, you know, re reiterate your point. Water is such an important thing that if we don't understand water and we keep drinking like city water is full of all this recycled water from sewage centers. People have yeah. no idea they're drinking yeah. drugs, hormones, poisons, farming chemicals, urine, feces, all this stuff that can't be filtered out of there. And, you yeah. know, so without a long water discussion, that was just my little water segue because I <laughs> wanted to see what you thought about my concept of water as the interface. Absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. We've talked a bit about this. Uh, you've hit on it several times, but maybe if you if you want to add more, if not, we can move on. But we've talked about the importance of creating new organs of perception, like subtle organs that match our physical organs through practices and life experiences. So um, maybe if there's something specific that you want to say that we haven't covered, um, I, I would just say from my own perspective, because I've been studying Steiner's work and I've done a lot of the exercises and, and various other ones. I know, for example, when I started working with Master Fong Ha, unfortunately, he passed away. He's quite old, but he, he was an amazing man. That through the Tai Chi, and then I did medical Qigong training, through those practices, I did daily Tai Chi with rarely ever missing a day for 18 years straight sometimes twice a day. But I've had radical changes in my all my voyances and my ability to perceive. I would sometimes, the secretary would say, you just got a new patient. And I would immediately know who it was, what their problems were. And I would say, okay, this guy's about 50 years old. He's coming to me because he's got serious back pain and he's got sciatic pain and he's suffering from constipation. And she would look at me like, how in the hell do you know that? 
And I would just tell her, well, sometimes spirit lets me know what I need to know to help people. But the, the, the reason I'm sharing the story is so people realize I personally, and I'm sure you too have experienced that as you do the right exercises and get the right frame of mind, your subtle organs of perception, which as you said, we need those when we pass through the gate of death so that we can actually be conscious and be participating in what we do in our next lifetime instead of just waking up in a body and going, oh, you, not even knowing how you got there. It's like waking up from being hit in the head so hard you went into a coma and all of a sudden you wake up, you lost a bunch of time, but you don't know what happened. So if there's anything you want to expand on that we haven't covered or to round that out, feel free. I'll just put a little cherry on top of a few comments. And that is, again, this is the thing that human life is intended for. Uh, I, I yeah. very much feel, and you know, Steiner and many traditions around the world amplify this point. We're put here not out of just some higher spiritual capriciousness, but we're put here <laughs> in a world that they went through tremendous effort to create the world and all the sacred geometry is all of the structural blueprints, how they created the world and how they created the human energy field. And they gave us this fantastic physical organ so that we could be self-aware in a way that we're not in the spiritual world when we're very young spirits. We need the eyes, ears, sense organs to begin to become self-aware. And then once we become self-aware, the next step is we have to do self-observation. All mm -hmm. the traditions all over the world, you can't get anywhere without self-observation. And so that's what Gurdjieff refers to as self-remembering. It's the mindfulness of the Buddhists. And it's the foundation of the six essential exercises of Steiner that we talked about before with the observation of your thoughts, the observations of your feelings, the observation of your actions, and then consciously directing them to a higher level. Now, what you find when you do this is that you have all of this subconscious programming that is often dysfunctional of stuff you just picked up from your environment or your family or God knows what societal programming that you say, this is actually not functional at all. This is very destructive. And first you just start observing it without trying to change it. And then you start consciously generating something of a higher level. This combination of being conscious of the receptivity of the influences at the third eye center, at the heart center, at the solar plexus, at the sex center, etc. That first act of observation makes you hyper-conscious of those areas. And then you can start consciously working with those energies and developing it further tuning your thoughts, your emotions, your energetic body in the structuring of the subtle body in the way that I spoke about before is one of these great concepts almost been forgotten today. But in working on any of these centers, just by putting your attention on it and observing what it's generating with our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, whatever, you then start to actually activate these subtle organs of spiritual perception. Now, the master concept here is what Steiner kept referring to from the work of Goethe that Goethe made an observation in his scientific work. He said that fish and very deep, dark levels of water, when they're brought up from those deep levels, they have no eyes. They have no eyes because there's no light to perceive. And this means that the light calls forth an eye out of our energy body to become a physical organ to perceive it. Mm. No light, no eyes. And the same thing is true spiritually, that the spiritual influences, thoughts, feelings, actions, energies of all kinds around us, if we put our attention on it, it'll start developing 
chakras, acupuncture points, other parts of our energy anatomy to become fully active, where they then become literally a new organ of spiritual perception that allows us to perceive the non-physical that is operating through and within the physical world all the time. And we have to do that. Because lots of times people just say, well, you know, I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not. Everyone's got a different opinion. I'll just wait till I die. Then I guess I'll figure out, is there an afterlife or whatever? (laughs) And I'm like, that's not a very functional opinion to have because uh, what you're ending up doing is taking no advantage whatsoever of your physical incarnation. And then you end the life with very little progress on your path. If you actually start becoming self-aware, self-observant, and working on yourself, you develop all these new organs of spiritual perception, which develop the siddhas, the powers they talk about in Himalayas. And then you actually become a higher level of being when you go into the spiritual world. You're able to guide yourself better. You're able to perceive what's happening instead of being blind to it. Because the goal is, by the time the earth dies, and the earth will die whether you talk to spiritual circles or you talk to physicists, the time will come that the earth dies. When the time comes that you can no longer physically incarnate here, if you haven't reached the point that you are fully conscious with activated organs of spiritual perception, you're kind of out of luck. They're going to find another place to stick you in a body in some whole other system to develop that ability because we're trying to get to where we can operate out of the physical body and stay fully conscious. And I think that's something if people really take that to heart, not as like, oh, that's an interesting idea, but like, oh, shit, this is, okay, I better get serious. Yeah. That's, that's going to change your future. And it's essential you do. That's the hard word people need to hear. Take advantage of your time here. Don't just waste your time because everything depends on it. And you could end up signing up for some bardo hell realms like the Tibetans talk about. If you just, if you don't learn the patterns everything is based on, if you don't start observing yourself and changing yourself to a higher level, then like the Tibetans talk about, the place you get attracted to is going to be based on your own resonance, which could be a bardo hell realm that you don't want to go to. My be- my belief with the European Rosicrucians as well is that at the end of our process of earthly evolution, we are then free agents in the universe. Steiner refers to the human race as spirits of love and freedom. We're free agents in the universe where we can go and do any creative act we want in the universe based on how we've structured our subtle bodies to have particular powers and ways of perception. And that's an incredible high goal for every human being, that we're each a a unique being in the universe that can offer great gifts once we fully develop ourselves. And at the end of the the story, go out into the universe into a whole other story far beyond what we're experiencing here right now. Yes, and also go out with a complete understanding of the importance of the life process and realize how important it is to nurture that process because I believe there's places similar to Earth throughout the universe where consciousness is is growing and, and evolving in beings either that are human-like or different. But it's it's almost as though, you know, I have a painting I did called The Cosmic Gardener it's almost as though we're all being trained to be cosmic gardeners so that we can actually go into the nursery and realizing through our own self-realization that we're really cultivating the rest of ourselves because there is only one. So every like everyone's really 
an aspect of all beings. So we're, we're nurturing the rest of ourselves into their creative ability, just like we have kids and we raise them because we want them to go out and be creative in the world and do what they want to do and exactly and bring their gifts. So I think it's, I think it's important, not only from a, a metaphysical concept, but from an understanding of why the universe is here, which is so that God can experience itself. If there was, if there wasn't a universe here, then unconditional love would remain unconditional, and therefore there is no self-awareness. So I, I in my teaching, you got to say, look, you got to realize the reason God, as unconditional love, created what you think of as the world or the universe or the matrix, was so that it could experience itself and love itself unconditionally, right? So, like, it doesn't matter if you're Adolf Hitler or Bill Gates or Mother Teresa or uh, Jesus, God loves all unconditionally because everyone is a creative expression of the divine, and each one of us is an agent of the divine, experiencing the potentials that exist in the divine, all of which are to grow consciousness. So it's really, you could say, as some have, it's a self-reflexive universe. It's looking at itself, it's experiencing itself, and and it is it is God that is the consciousness looking into and experiencing itself. But the illusion of separation, Robert's over there, I'm over here, is actually a necessary illusion because without it, there's no currency for love to flow in. I can't love Robert if he's stuck inside of me. I don't even know he's there. So it's it's actually when you get deep enough into your own spiritual development studies to sort of connect the dots, you can see that. This is really just a giant love machine. I say, you know, love is consciousness becoming aware of itself. So it is God's love that is ultimately God's consciousness. And we are the agents of experience to make that real. That's just my own conception. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. I totally see it that we're all a cell in the body of God. And as the evolutionary process, every cell becomes self-aware and yes. conscious and independent. But the goal then is to be able, I believe where we're moving toward is the ability to reunite into the one, but also to be able to separate from the one and be independent so that both exist. And, you know, we're not separate from anything. We're given that illusion to be able to develop as a separate being and develop our own abilities. And so we can, the, the, the Godhead can have more fun divided into 10 bazillion different beings all having their own experience. But we're all part of that one thing. Yes, and it's incredible. Robert, th this has been, I mean, even with my level of study and, and knowledge and experience, this has been just fascinating. I mean, I, I, if if I was in a class with you, I would have been taking notes so fast, but if I was taking notes, I would lose the opportunity to just be present with you. So I've really just tried to focus on you, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that'll have to listen to this two or three times with a notepad. And I think it's it's super, super important because You'd probably have to listen to a thousand podcasts to get what we've covered in the time that we've been on here. If you could find people that would cover this stuff, what I'd like to do is, as we close out today, I'll first let everybody know Roberts agreed to do another podcast where we look, explore some other important and relevant topics that also fit into the cosmic puzzle of consciousness and, and life that he's laying out for us. So, if you enjoyed this, keep your eyes open. Uh, possibly in March, we'll do a, another one. And uh, 
Robert's just going to restate the courses that he has uh, special offerings for all of you listeners on, and I can't encourage you enough. I think you've got enough of a sample to realize this guy's a master teacher, so it's a great investment um, of your time, energy, and money to take his courses. So, Robert, you want to just give us a quick overview? Sure. I thought that for your audience, based on what we were talking about, that I would give an offer for our introductory course on the spiritual science track and our introductory course on the vibrational sciences, energy sciences track. So for the spiritual science track, that was what we discussed earlier as the essential teachings and practices of spiritual science. That's the one that I go into a lot of absolutely essential knowledge about spiritual development, including things that aren't really discussed uh, in the current age, which really need to come back, and where I go into detail about each of the six specific exercises needed to develop the organizing center in the human energy body that makes all higher development possible, which was as a very expanded version of what Steiner gave out as the six basic exercises. So there's a $75 discount for the listeners to the show that just when it comes to the checkout, the course is normally something like $299 or something like that. And you get $75 off by using the discount code PAUL, capital letters P-A-U-L, and then the number 75, PAUL75. And just put that in the, the discount code box in the checkout and you'll get that. The other for the introductory course in the vibrational science, energy science track, is the personal wavelength class. That's where I teach the foundations of what the French medical doctors call medical radiesthesia. I'm not a medical doctor. I make no medical claims. But I've had so many people take the class and give us incredible feedback on how they've been able to apply it to benefit their own health. Because the techniques we're going to show you allow you to detect in yourself or any other person exactly where any of the imbalances are, and then be able to evaluate exactly what vibrational input is needed to correct that imbalance. So that's the personal wavelength class. It has the same discount code. Again, normally it's around 299 or something like that. And put in the discount call code Paul75, and you'll get $75 off of that. A couple of other quick things. Uh, for people interested in biogeometry, we have the biogeometry online trainings coming up soon that you'll find information about on the website. And I also have a new document that you'll find linked to my homepage. That's the resource guide for 2023. Most of it's already up, and it covers 12 different topics that we're focusing on for the coming year. And you'll get more information about a lot of things that we've discussed here, including cymatics, cymotherapy the new quantum revolution in physics, moving from particle to wave, and a whole variety of other topics, microcurrent, healing, biogeometry, all kinds of things from that article linked on the homepage of my website, www.vesica.org. And Vesica is spelled Vesica, V-E-S-I-C-A dot O-R-G. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. I really appreciate it. It's been great. Oh, my God. It was such a pleasure. Uh, I wish I had more time to just come put my tent up in your backyard and wash your dishes and <laughs> do, do some work for you so I could pick your brain and learn more techniques. And, uh, you know, as time allows, I'll get into some of your courses myself because I'm really interested in all of this stuff and, and uh, everything that 
I've heard from the students from my institute that have taken your courses is nothing but phenomenal. Like, wow, I really get it. When, you know, when, when Robert teaches, I understand it's such an amazing thing. And it's nothing like having a teacher that you can actually learn from. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That's incredibly kind and incredibly humble. I so appreciate you. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you to my sponsors. Thank you to all of you. Uh, I think hopefully for, through all the other podcasts you've listened to with me and through my, our time together with Robert, you realize that life's a particip participation sport and we've got some important work to do together. And if your heart is calling you to this work after hearing this podcast, then you know where to go and invest yourself in growing yourself and contributing to world healing and the world transformation we're going through because it it's not something that we really should just be sitting on our hands waiting for somebody else to do and the other thing is we're all going to die so you might as well die conscious so you can participate in where you end up next you know if you study the laws of physics there's this thing called the conservation of energy and so since you're energy and information, it means you're not going to die. You're just going to end up being repurposed. And if you want to participate in that process, now's a good time to learn how to do it. So, and thank you for anything you buy from the sponsors because it supports the podcast. And uh, thank you for all of you for, for joining Robert and I today. And I send you lots of love and many blessings. Aho, great spirit. Thank you too, Robert. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Dr. Robert Gilbert. Visit the Visica Institute online at visica.org, that's V-E-S-I-C-A dot O-R-G, where you can learn more about their study programs. Paul's podcast listeners can get $75 off each of two of their most popular online courses from the Spiritual Science Track and the Vibrational Science Track. Use the promo code Paul75, that's P-A-U-L, all uppercase, 75, when you register for the Essential Teachings and Practices of Spiritual Science course or the Personal Wavelength course. Learn more about both courses online at avisica.org. You can find Paul on TikTok and Instagram at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living4d with paulcheck. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com or visit the Czech Institute site at checkinstitute.com to find Paul's e-learning courses, advanced training programs, and to learn more about the Czech Academy. You can read the show notes and find links to the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. And finally, if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcasts.